Hey, Jeff. Hey, Eric. How are you? I'm pretty good. How are you? Doing well, thank you. We've been getting a lot of questions on Twitter and Instagram, and you said, don't answer them. Save them for the pod. Mm -hmm. So we save them for the pod. Yeah. What do people want to know? At Lord Luck 16 asks, just curious to know how the move into Dan's room went. Pressing topic all week. Keep up the tremendous work, gents. Hashtag my two favorite Jews. Our brother Dan, another of hopefully his favorite Jews, uh, used to live with us, and then he bought a place. And he decided he didn't want to live with us anymore. Yeah, I mean, so you know. here we are with an extra room. And what do we do? I moved into it. There you go. Yeah, we, I didn't knock down the wall or anything. So how'd it go? It went great. I didn't Good. need too many trucks. Wonderful. And uh, took me probably about fifteen minutes. Is it different? It's a little weird because so the the rooms are mirror images of one another. Right. And so my windows are all on the wrong side. My closet's on the wrong side. It does feel a little bit like I'm having a sleepover in somebody's room and they're not there. Do you sleep better because of the, I don't know, the window situation or the bed situation or like it, the direction you face? And is, is, your, is your feng shui different? My feng shui is... Your pronunciation is different. Yeah. It's, my, my feng shui is on another level. <laughs> it's like potpourri. Yeah. I sleep well because... I always sleep well. Oh, there you big, go. Big on sleep. There I you go. I fucks with naps. There you go. Um, and then we turned my room into a uh, storage room. Yeah, it's a, it's a glorified shoe closet. We have a lot of great shoes. People love our shoes. Yeah, I don't I don't find myself going over there anymore. Well, I mean, I stick to my side of the apartment. Yeah. Now. I have my own bathroom. You new, have your own bathroom. New bathroom, new Jeff. A butter dust flicks. A Buddha Dustflix on Twitter says, did you guys ever audition for SNL? And what do you think about Childish Gambino's This is America drama? And can I intern for ya? Oh, so three very different questions. First one, did we audition for SNL? No, we never formally auditioned for SNL. Huge SNL fans. Yeah. We never had the opportunity to audition. We may have written like a, a, a packet as you know, writing candidates. I honestly don't even know that our manager, and this is what, like eight years ago when we had comedy management, I don't know that she even turned it in. No, she did not like <laughs> I don't, what we were doing. Yeah, who, who even knows? I know that what we wrote was really funny, mm -hmm. for sure. We just don't fit there now, I'm sure. Yeah, we didn't really try too hard on those fronts. No. We just always wanted to do our own thing. We mentioned Lauren Michaels a lot here but we don't actually do anything about that. Right. Uh, what were the other questions? Donald Glover. My question is, how did this guy's song, like, how did people say, because I had never heard this guy's song before. Right. Um, Which is no disrespect to the guy. Just no, a, just I mean, a fact of life. Yeah. I'd never heard it, and then suddenly it was just like, oh, well, this is clearly that. There's a lot of people who think that they do sound alike. Yeah, of know? course. But I, maybe that is just friends being like, hey, I'm sticking up for my guy. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, and the third question is, can I intern for you? Email us through our website. Tell us what skills you have. Yeah, are you nice with the Bo staff? Right. Can you find us some way to get on SNL? Yeah, if you are Lauren Michaels, you can absolutely <laughs> intern for us. At Jason's Vision asks, what rap video would you guys like to have been in? I feel like we've answered this question before, and I feel like it really? might have been asked by this guy. Really? But my answer was Lil' Kim featuring Lil C's Crush on You. And I think your answer was Hypnotize by Biggie. Well, you know what? I was just about to say that that would be the video that I would choose. Well, at least you're consistent you know, or consistent in my head. I don't, and I, I really, I don't remember this at all, talking about it or whatever. But that is what I would choose because who wouldn't want to be in a helicopter or on a speedboat or... Women, like, you know, swimming... Yeah, in like mermaid's a, a, costume. Yeah, in a tank. All of that was like music video defined. If you do anything short of that, it's not a music video. By the way, just speaking about Crush on You, uh -huh. do you know the lyric? Um, 
uh, Speed Down the Hutch 750 Deluxe. No, that's a good one. No, the one, uh, Take You on a Natural High. Like a Pilot. There you go. Yeah. Take You on a Natural High Like a Pilot. Mm-hmm. I just learned recently. Mm-hmm. I swear to God, it's Pilot. I thought it was Pallet. Like pallet. Uh, artist. No, pa- <laughs> Pallet, like you put boxes onto a wooden. Uh, oh, for like a truck. Yeah. And it gets lifted and put on the, the truck on yeah, a, not on as a high as a pilot <laughs> no it lifted high like a pallet you know i, I mean that, like how, how high do you lift a, a pallet? natural high it's like, like 10 feet also i would argue that neither one of those things are a natural high take you on a natural high like <laughs> like helium <laughs> doesn't rhyme but who yeah. wrote that cam yeah yeah we should get cam on the podcast and ask oh. him if it was pilot or pallet there you go cam somebody who we have tried so hard to get on this podcast has never gotten right. on the podcast. Well, speaking of which, Newface on Twitter and Instagram mm-hmm. asks, any guests that were kind of late or difficult to get but turned out to be such a dope episode that you forgot about that part? Can we pretend that Cam has been on the podcast because he has the mo- been the most difficult to book on this podcast? Yeah. <laughs> Every time um, we see him, he's so willing to do stuff and then it never happens. I feel like the most obvious person who was like late, late was Theophilus London who showed up three days late because his Uber got lost oh. and then he like took a subway to a train to a bus that was and the then most, walked over the here most and frustrating. and it was we also were filming at that point and I, so a whole film career and so they uh they were not happy to be here like three days consecutively yeah, to get here it's all good though. um but no that was a good episode i think uh swiss beats it took us three years to get him up here yeah that's what i would say swiss won uh, Marsha St. Hubert took a long time to convince her to come up here. It, the timing had to be right, right? Did and, you uh, notice that I said over? Or I said "ope" here, like over and up at the same time. I did not notice that. Well, if so, anybody wants to rewind five <laughs> seconds, I said "get Swiss beats ope here." Green Lantern was another great one that took a long time to make happen. But yeah, uh, you know, it in in those situations, after all that time, you just want to concentrate on a dope episode, and no one even remembers how long it took. Except for right except now. Except us. Yeah. <laughs> except when you ask a question. We're and then we so have to bitter by yeah. this cam thing. I am Rel on Instagram says, how can other podcasters get you on their show? Is there requirements for you guys to come? First requirement is that you have to actually have a podcast. Mm. Because <laughs> if you are telling me to come over to whatever spot you're at. Just to hang out? Just to hang out. It's not the move? I mean, I'm happy to hang out. Are you? Not for not, free. Listen. Yeah. I don't get out of bed for less than a podcast. That's right. Booking in bio. If you're in a different city, there's lots of requirements, uh, you know, in terms of transportation and uh, housing, housing, and flying, yeah, all that. Yeah. But if it's in New York City, if you have a reputable podcast, or even if you have an upcoming podcast, just offer us something different. We don't want to do the same interview over and over and over again. We think we have a lot to say, and hopefully, we can appeal to your audience, and maybe you get something out of us being there. And Bottled water would be nice. Yeah. Bottled I mean, water. all it really takes is just like a good email. There you go. Yeah. Email us. Get in yeah. touch with us. Because like some up. people will like do a thing on Instagram and it's like one line long. It's like, do my podcast. And it's who like, is, what? Who is this from? Lorne Michaels? This is, is he, from Lorne Michaels. Has he invited us onto his program? Yeah. All right. Well, that was the easiest possible <laughs> thing. Jeff, who's on the podcast today? On the podcast today is Brian motherfucking Nolan. So what happens when his parents listen to this and they hear you say that? Then they've heard his uh, middle name said on our podcast, Brian motherfucking Nolan, B. Noel, 
Brian Nolan, the senior vice president of brand partnerships at Capital Music Group. Brian Nolan, head of his own division, 1750. Brian motherfucking Nolan, whose name a lot of people might know just because he's been shouted out by J. Cole a bunch over the years. Here's what I find interesting about Brian Nolan. Yeah. We do a lot of episodes of this podcast, and you think you hear every journey, and you think that they're all similar. Well, they're not, especially this one, because he's someone who could have been any type of radio rep forever. He could have worked his way up and then stopped at the ceiling at any record label, but he didn't. This is a guy who, he was very successful, obviously, with 3-6 Mafia, with J. Cole, with everyone over at Sony Urban. But once he reached those heights, he was given an opportunity by his great boss, Ayelet, and figured out that there was more wiggle room in radio, and that was with sports. So he was able to create something new out of sports and music, his two passions, foster all these great relationships with everyone over at ESPN, work his way around all the major sporting events, and put people like J. Cole in the celebrity basketball game, and take Migos down to Turner and have them be a big part of this past basketball season. There's a lot in this episode, a lot through his singular and very unique and amazing journey to become a senior vice president on the other coast of this country and have such a great impact with not just one major artist, which, by the way, is rare to do in this business, yeah, but with at least two major artists and who knows what's next but shout out to brian nolan for making this happen yeah absolutely but before we get into this episode we like to recommend three other episodes that people might like okay number one number one is eeb hamad episode number 169 check out that eeb episode he is j cole's manager and he talks about all the behind the scenes stories not just some of them this is the definitive eeb hamad j cole episode you're going to find out about everything you want to know j cole and Dreamville, and what an amazing, amazing journey those guys have been on. Taylor Rooks, episode number 189. She is a dynamic personality who works for Sportsnet New York, SNY, and she has, in a very short period of time, made such an impact interviewing everybody from Meek Mill right out of jail to the new Laker, LeBron James, the reigning champion and finals MVP, Kevin Durant. She has worked with everybody and anybody and we ran into her the other day and she's awesome and you guys should hear her story also the basketball playing rapper draft with big Waz and black trey episode number 173 all right that one was a lot of fun also done in los angeles california with our two great friends trey and Waz, where the four of us sat down after nba all-star and figured out not the best rapping basketball players but the best basketball playing rappers and jeff your favorite basketball playing rapper mm-hmm. bow wow yeah <laughs> did you see what he did last night i saw he has a picture with uh with magic and lebron yeah and, and everybody he- looks like they've been photoshopped in like weird proportions well it was a long time ago it was yeah a, it was a different time but yeah. bow wow was just like who would have thought 15 years ago and everyone was just like hey don't yeah but that's bow wow's like life that is anyway anyway jeff when do you want to get into this episode right now Yo, what up? It's Eric, a.k.a. Speed Bumps, a.k.a. Street Credibility. Yo, what up? It's Jeff, a.k.a. Long Hair, Don't Care, a.k.a. Open Relationship. Yo, what up, what up, what up, what up? Ryan Nolan, a.k.a. B. Nolan, a.k.a. Uh, B. Now. Yeah, this is a waste of time with this for real. Blah, 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 bl
Oh, oh yeah, that was a tape intro. No, no never. No, and they're no. always new. And they're everybody's always, new. always caught off guard. Now, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's to our own detriment too, because we do way too much thinking about it. I love it. I but love it. Uh, first of all, and we were just talking about this, we want to shout out our great friend Rembert Brown, yes. who was the one who really put this into the air. Yes. He was like, you know what? He hit us three months ago. He hit you three months ago. Yes. And he was like, we need to make this be no episode happen. Yes. And then today. Jeff was doing a little investigation on your Instagram. Yeah, because yes. I mean, like, I, I do some research. Okay. <laughs> um, I don't, like, you know, I know you in real life. Yes. Right. And so I don't want to be like, I know your whole history, but right. I do go through people's Instagrams, and I did find that Rember did tweet uh, one day that you are the most ratchet person. <laughs> so and there was one fave, yeah. and it was, it's the real. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And we really need to hear that. From years ago. Yeah. Brian, like, what is this ratchet side of you? I mean, I don't know if it's a ratchet side. <laughs> I just think um, I've always had an affinity for hip-hop in general and everything that came along with it, all sides of it. Um, and so I'm sure there was there was some event that Rembert and I were at, and, <laughs> and I probably said something that caused you guys to like that. <laughs> that was That's the Venn diagram. Yes. Right? Yeah. Like, people it was, who will say it, and then people who will like it are at this table. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, like it was definitely like Rem mentioned you yeah. and we were just like yes <laughs> yeah, correct. by the way in, in your yeah. time in new york because you, you no longer live in new york correct. but while you were here what was the strangest event that you were invited to and actually attended um i'll, I'll tell you that what happened was um there was when i was an intern at raucous in mm -hmm. 2001 most ratchet label <laughs> yes, um, yeah conscious and ratchet right. there was so I forget who it was, but some one of the artists was not happy about with, with, with Raucous for something. Mm -hmm. So I think they like they like it was to live quality. <laughs> they barnstormed another label, another like album release party, and they bought out the bar. Whoa! For it, and they were like, "Come through!" Like you know, they they were angry about something. And I, yeah. and I was like twenty years old. I was like, "What? The, what is going on?" And so I was like, "Okay, this is like the type of shit that happens in New York City." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. um, that was the first time I really spent a ton of time uh, out, you know, in New York as as a raucous intern. We've been to like obviously like lots of listening parties, lots of things you expect. Yes. One time we were invited to a rooftop party for. Not Birdman's book, but one of those oh, cash money yeah. releases, I mean, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I still have it. I forget the name of the You, you still have the book? Yeah, for that, sure. Oh, I don't, Are you kidding? Did you, did you, you don't, read you it? You don't give away a first edition. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> did you read it? Did you get it signed by anyone? No. Oh. Uh, I do remember talking about it extensively with Rembrandt, though. Also, <laughs> and I do know that uh, they they closed off the elevator so that Birdman and Slim could ride down it by themselves. Like, Perfect. no one else got to God. ride with them. Yeah. yeah. No, no. It, it's uh, That's where I want to get in life, you know, yeah. where I can ride an elevator just by myself. That's it. <laughs> Party of one. I, I know. Yeah. Exactly. I and also, like, even some of those invites are amazing. Oh, and totally. Frameable. Yeah. 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 <laughs> in terms of, like, art direction. Like, yeah. that's the kind of, like, ratchet shit that I'm, I'm definitely into. In terms um, of those, so. We, years ago, when we put out our first mixtape, we sent out a listening party invite. It happened to be sponsored by Ciroc. It happened oh, to be at Daddy's house. And I remember that young Sav, um, who this is, I think, in between his Def Jam days and yeah. his MMG days, was like, is this real? And we we're like, <laughs> yes. yes, it actually it is yes. a real invite. Ciroc so. is sponsored. Yes, yeah, yes. yeah. No, but valid question. I know, yeah. Valid 100 percent oh, for, <laughs> for sure. We didn't even drink. I know, yeah. Yes. And it's sponsored by Ciroc. Amazing. Yeah, we were, we were, it was like pictures of us and Mayno holding bottles of Ciroc. We're yeah. just like, yeah. Yeah, sure. No, I love it. I love so it. where are you originally from? So I am from um, Washington, D.C., yes. Silver Spring, Maryland to be exact. Yep. Um, I grew up there my entire life. You know, my parents still live there. And I think that was one of the uh, most 
one of the reasons I feel like I, I can be successful now is because of the melting pot where I grew up in, mm -hmm. um, in East Silver Spring, and like our elementary schools were extremely diverse. The high school that I went to, Blair High School, was, you know, thirty percent black, thirty percent Hispanic, thirty percent mm -hmm. white, ten percent Asian. So like incredible um, variety of of just walks of life. Wait, and do you? Why do you know these stats? Because <laughs> Blair it, High like, School. Like, were you going like, through the the yearbook just like? I mean, yes. Boy, another yes. yeah, another yeah. white guy. Yeah. <laughs> I think the reason why I know that is because they really pride themselves on how multicultural um, that uh, that part of Silver Spring is, and it really, you know, um, I think you just you, you learn about different people and in, in, in different ways. Who are some of the most ways. famous graduates from Montgomery Blair High School? Uh, Steve Francis, yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. I played I played basketball with him for many years. Um, we there was a uh, Tacoma Park Boys and Girls Club, mm -hmm. um, and there was one summer league where I was probably like. 11 and we were playing with like the entire like it was it was kind of like an open run and my parents came and they saw like steve francis at like 16 17 whoa and they yanked me out of it the next <laughs> day. Like, this is a little above your skill set um who else uh goldie harm went to blair yep um my best friend eric hutchinson went to blair right on a successful singer songwriter um Connie Chung went to Blair. Mm -hmm. uh, you know who else went to Montgomery Blair High School? Who's that? Our mom. No. Bum, 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 bum. <laughs> yeah, she. Yeah. She and Goldie were. Uh, yeah. No way. <laughs> she and Goldie were in class together. No way. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Montgomery oh, and our father went to. Uh, I forget what the name of it. Did he go to Einstein? No. It's it's one of the schools that's like no longer around anymore. Yeah, legendary yeah. South Montgomery <laughs> County School. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Love, it, love it. Blair High School. We, we were the last graduating class. Ninety eight. Of that old Blair. Right on. Your mom went as well. Yeah, so, totally. Um, when the kids at Montgomery Blair walked out yes, this year, amazing. You, you said how much it meant to you. Yeah, I think it was just, um, I had a friend also hit me about that because it was so like, the national news was covering that and it was- This is right after Parkland, is yes, that right? Yeah. Yes, and they had that walkout and it was just, um, I think it's indicative of- the, you know the kind of students that go to Blair and and are raised in that DC area, similar to what I was talking about of like understanding things that are larger than them, um, and I w that was wonderful to see. And I felt so proud to uh, to be an alumni right of, on. of Blair, and and I think you'll see. Um, more great things come from that school. What did your folks do growing up? My dad is from Brooklyn, New York City, and he uh, is a statistician. He owned his own company. Um, and my mom was a uh, she's from Southeast Washington, uh, and she was a school teacher in PG County. So how did they meet? They met at Catholic University, in right on. DC. Yep, uh, and then they they moved to Silver Spring in like '77, right before my brother was born. So uh, and it's you, your brother, my, just just the two you of and your us. brother. Yeah, my, my older brother is two years older than me. What was growing up the two of you like? It was good. I mean, I looked up to him for everything. I mean, I think we were uh, for the most part because also what's great about DC is, as you guys know, is you had KYS, PGC, and HFS, yep. three legendary hip-hop and alternative stations and there wasn't really like a pop station that we even listened to really I mean there was like there was a 107.3 there was a couple but like it was driven by hip-hop and an alternative and I even though they had the HF festival I really never spent a ton of time on HFS I was listening to BGC and KYS um, and I was led by my brother like he was the one who um, you know, first put me on to that early stuff, the LL Cool J, Mama Said Knock You Out stuff, like a lot of that. And and KYS had, and PGC had like legendary, yeah. you know, and they, they were like icons to me, all those guys. And where did you see Peter Rosenberg DJ first? It's funny, <laughs> funny you mention that because I have a lot of good friends um, who were, 
maybe a couple miles away who grew up with the Rosenbergs. Oh, right on. I mean, I actually worked with Nick when I was an intern, his brother Nick, at Raucous yeah. for a second. And so um, a lot of, so I first found out about Peter Rosenberg through my friends because of the Duke, Maryland stuff. Really? Yes. Um, so I This didn't is know, why Duke sucks. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> yeah. I didn't know Peter like until way later, but um, a lot of my friends um, know Peter uh, very well from growing up in that time. And yeah. it's just ironic and obviously incredible to see what he's developed and the brand that he's built. Yeah, so yeah. you weren't like going to see him DJ at McDonald's. <laughs> no, no. I think what it was PMD was his name, right? Yeah, that yeah, was correct. his early. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. think again, I it was one degree of separation. Right. I'm sure I went to an underage <laughs> club at some point um, where he was DJing in Maryland. Um, but yeah, it was. Uh, that's there is a, there is one degree of separation with me and him. So growing up in Silver Spring, you're not far from from downtown DC. Correct. Would you make it into DC often? Um. A bit, yeah. I mean, I think we were, you know, my parents had, we had season tickets to the Redskins, diehard right Washington Redskins fan. Um, and we would go in, you know, the, the subway right is right there in Silverstone Metro Station on the corner yeah. of 16th Street. So, with, the, with the penguins yes, and all that? Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. So we would, we would go in a decent amount. Um, I never really went to concerts until way later. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was always influenced by a lot of what was happening in D.C., like, diehard um, go-go fan. Like yeah. Junkyard, Rare Essence, like, not until I got to college did I realize that nobody outside of that little window <laughs> yeah, no. thinks, no, yeah. thinks it's a good genre. <laughs> At all. At all. No. And yeah. so, like, we, we grew or up... Or even knows about it. Or even it. knows about yeah. it. So yeah. we, we grew up on so many, like, you know, Rare Essence records, Work the Walls, like, all of these classic Junkyard, Northeast Groovers records. Yeah. Um, that you couldn't, like, play for anybody. Anybody. <laughs> and I'm like, you guys, you don't understand, like, Overnight Scenario is the best song <laughs> Of a generation, and they're like, "What is this garbage?" That was a college conversation I had many times. Oh my god! So it was just so yeah. Uh, and what's fascinating was PGC and KYS would play like our blocks of just go go. Like, could you imagine happening at like any, anywhere else? Let me, let me stop you. I can't imagine any of that. <laughs> yeah, it's the definition of regional. Like that, yes. that's it. Yes. You know. So our cousins lived down there for a long time. Okay. Um, our aunt still lives down there. Amazing. Our grandparents live down there. So we would go down. For limited periods of time, right? Um, Obviously, it's a four and a half hour drive, so not far. We go down there a bit. But every time we would go down, whether it was with our family or whether it was like via school or something like that, you know, there's so many museums to go to. There's all like the tourist attractions that you go to. Being from New York, we don't go near Times Square. We don't go to, you know, we went to Ellis Island once. We went to like, never been to the Statue of Liberty. What did you like try to avoid down there? Um, that's a good question. I we never really went to the McDonald's where Peter Rosenberg <laughs> DJ'd. <laughs> yeah, we went to the. I don't know. Like we did some. There wasn't one thing we didn't avoid per se. Um, because the, like we just didn't go there that often. Like I don't think I never I never went on a tour of the White House. Right. You right, know right. what I mean? Like yeah. I, I, we went to the mall. Um, and the mall for, you know, the National Mall. Yeah, yeah. Um, not, oh, the PG County Mall, PG Plaza Mall, also amazing. <laughs> um, but, like, we, we did those landmarks once in a while. Right. Um, but there wasn't necessarily, I don't think in D.C., like a Times Square, or like, where well, you definitely don't go yeah. there. Yeah, but mm-hmm. it wasn't like, yo, what are you doing today? I don't know. You want to go to the Jefferson Memorial? <laughs> no, like, yeah, none, none of that. Not yeah. that. No, no, no. It was going, do you want to go to City Place and play NBA Jam? Yeah. Yes. And you're like, yeah, I do. Yeah, actually. yeah I do want to yeah. do that. Um, I do want to talk about your shoe obsession. Yes. You as a kid, you yes. wanted the Bo Jacksons. Yes, yes. I was obsessed with, again, because you're part of like, you know, I was part of, there was a couple stores that will date me, but you guys will <laughs> understand, like Up Against the Wall and Merry Go Round. Okay. I mean, Up Against the Wall are those was, go-go records? Uh, <laughs> those are two, like, I think they're regional, like, retail outlets. So, mm-hmm. like, when I was, it really got, like, I got obsessed from, like, probably, like, 10 to 15 when, like, 
all of the starter jacket stuff, the champion, the Nike, and and the thing about like Bo Jackson and 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 even Nike back then, you had Bo Jackson, you had Jordan, you had Agassi, you had a lot of different sports, and they were all like, hitting from the shoe stuff. So I would beg. Um, my parents to go to these stores, and we had a sixty dollar cap on shoes in our house. Wow, wow! Which means that that, that puts—I can tell you where that puts you at. That puts you at like the <laughs> air magnum force. Oh, mm-hmm. that yeah. Didn't have the air bubble. Mm-hmm. Um, you could have gotten like some pro heads. It, it priced you out of. <laughs> Almost everything. I bet yeah. those same shoes, by the way, if they were retro today, would cost about yes. three times Amazing. that. So yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So like, even remember like the flights that like got like got yeah. reissued. Like those were like eighty five. So those were out of our price range. So that just like fueled my obsession more. Did it make you want to steal things? <laughs> no, I mean, I not. I just I was so like enamored by it. Yeah. Because all the kids were a lot of the kids were wearing. I this is a true story. Remember the original Nike pumps? Uh, yeah. The huge one in the back where they, we, we had to use like the... the oh, yeah. Actually, you physically pump it I up. I swear. Yeah. We saw a kid, when he bought those, he went overnight from being uncool to cool in like middle school based off of having those shoes alone. Wait, where is he now? Yeah, I was just going to ask. Probably yeah. not. In I know, yeah. <laughs> but like I, I saw with my own two eyes. I was like, this dude just bought those shoes for $175 and now he is like a cool person. Damn. I, so it's like that kind of like obsession with... Guess, uh, used jeans, champion. Yeah. I, I was like so obsessed with labels and culture back you know, then. You know what's really interesting though is that like in high school you have such a warped idea of what's cool and what's yes. not. Mm. And if you don't get something in that, like having perspective now is just unreal yes. to know like, oh, why was I even like in that frame of mind back yes. then? But yeah. I but totally also, understand. What happened was like we were, because Blair High School, we were so close to it. Even growing up when we had good basketball teams, like we had, Really like in crazy basketball teams and are the, the int- bullets. No, no, we had crazy basketball teams. So like the intro of, the, I remember the intro. When I was in sixth grade going to those games. The layup line intro was the J. Rue Come Clean record. Wow. And so it's like you go there and you see like this. It's almost like an above the rim type scene. Packed high school gyms like. Hip hop playing, you know, people wearing the, the overalls with one strap down. Yeah. The, the purple champion sweatshirts. And you just got like engulfed in that. Right. And um, who were you guys? The Devils the, or something? The, the Blazers. The Blazers. The there Blazers. you go. Yeah. Yeah. And so it was just like, it was a little bit like what Texas and maybe Pennsylvania Ohio have for Friday Night Lights. Yeah. Those basketball games. This was like a little like pre Steve Francis, but these were just guys that never made it out. But yeah. like a thing that my parents would take us to. And um, that's part of the reason why I became so enamored with all that stuff because I was seeing that as like a sixth, seventh grader. Well, let me ask you about your mom writing a two page letter. Yes. Yes, <laughs> she did do that. So my mom got so fed up with my obsession with shoes and. And, and labels that she just had enough and she wrote me a two-page letter on why she thought I was turning into a horrible person. Oh my God. <laughs> at, at what age? At like I, I, 11 to 13. Oh my God. Because she was so frustrated. Because <laughs> I would like, I was such a like, you know, just beg her to buy the, and, and the answer was always no. Right. You wanted to be cool. I wanted to be cool. And we, I finally got like a Lakers starter jacket and I wanted to be cool and I wanted to wear those things. But that was one of the ways after like, 16 other ways of trying to get through to me yeah um and i remember that and uh and i love her for, for writing yeah that. yeah 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 do you still have that letter i wish i did yeah I don't. she might have it though she <laughs> might have it she might have it i'll have to ask her so was your brother um obviously he brought like music into your life yeah. but what other things was he sort of like letting you know that this is uh, this is how you 
Yeah, good. At, he was really good at sports. Um, he uh, had a lot of friends, and I wanted to be friends with his friends. Yeah, and I just you know even like shirts. If we would have had the same shirt and he wore, I would say you know I want that shirt. Yeah, and then we and I already had the shirt, and so like it was really. I mean, two years. You know, it's like different because you guys have a brother as well. Like that separation of how many is really a thing. Oh, yeah. for sure. You know, and yeah. and, and the uh, well, the, you got to go to high school with your brother. Yeah, for two. Yeah, for two yeah. years. We never had that because we're four grades apart. Got it. Yeah. yeah. So it's really like um, it's really interesting because it was so close. And I'm sure, like he, to his credit, he pulled me along for a lot of the stuff. That's which dope. Was, which was awesome. Um, on the flip side, did he have a good reputation with teachers where then it sort of like fell on you to be as good as your brother? Yeah, I, I think he was always, he definitely set a good precedent for sure. Like just mm. a good guy, really athletic, um, smart. And then and, you came in, yeah, the more rebel. athletic. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. No, Smoking he, cigarettes, yeah, putting them out on different no, teachers. He, um, he was, he's a really good uh He's in, was in the track and uh, and played tennis for a couple years, but track was really his thing, uh, and baseball was more my thing. But he he set an incredible example, and um, a lot of the reasons I either did get in trouble or got or did not get into trouble was because mm -hmm. of him. That's awesome. When it came time for you to get your driver's license, how far away would you drive? I mean, the th here's the other thing: in our house, not allowed to get your license until 17. Wow. Why was that? They thought it was too young. You know what? Maybe they were right. My dad's from New York, so he got his at 18. My mm -hmm. mom's from Southeast DC. She got his at 16. Yeah. They split the difference. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. Which, was, yeah. which was their reasoning. Yeah. So the, the option was um, instead of getting your license at 16, you could either, like my dad, my brother got a bike for like a brand new bike for yeah. his birthday. And that's when I was like super bicycle, not a bike. not a motorcycle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah he got a hog. Yeah, yeah. 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 I wasn't really into cycling, so I uh, I got I got a huge like weight set because I was playing baseball and like working out a lot. So um, that was my 16th uh, birthday present. But being old diesel. Yeah, yeah. But I will tell you this: like 17. Um, our house to Blair High School was like less than a quarter mile mm -hmm. and I had a parking spot so I would drive our 96 black Acura to school every day for two minutes for yeah. two <laughs> minutes and then drive to Wheaton Plaza and get you know uh, the Bone Thugs and Harmony double out yeah oh my god yeah, we, had, we had an open lunch uh, we had an open lunch because it was too many pe people to have the cafeteria so yeah. all of my all of those seminal hip hop albums were bought at you know, at Circuit City in Wheaton Plaza. Wow. Yeah. When we had Swiss up here, I told him that I would go every week to check for his album at Borders yes, Bookstore. Yes, it's a thing. And it kept getting delayed, and that's yeah. like commonplace yeah. now, but yeah. that was beyond me at that point. And I was just like, going back, you don't have it? You don't have no, it? Yeah, also, well, same with me. I used to go to try and get the Nerd album in <laughs> oh, search of. Yeah. yeah. Well, they totally re-recorded it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> The, the, but, the live band version or the right. know, the, the one they switched around. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, and Sam Goody was just like, get out of here. <laughs> like, go here. away. We don't even <laughs> no. know what nerd is. Yeah. You're the nerd. <laughs> no. But that, those circulars, like, that, that's when you knew it was definitely coming out. Yeah. yeah. And those circulars for the best buys in the world. You didn't belong to, like, Columbia House or anything, did I you? I definitely did. Did yeah, you really? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. For, like, the alternative stuff that I wasn't really into, but I wanted for one cent. Where it just showed up at your house? Totally. And, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, I definitely wanted, like, a cranberries discography <laughs> yeah. from... The BMG or Columbia House. Oh my stop. God! Yeah. Not too late. Yeah, it's not too late. No, yeah. it's not too late. So what? What were your jobs in high school? So I was um, from age thirteen to twenty-two. I was a golf caddy at Chevy Chase Club. Wow. Um, and my dad was a caddy at Piping Rock in Long Island, which is a huge, which is a very like prestigious, like Long Island. Um, old money uh, country club um, and so I was so my brother was a, a caddy at Chevy Chase and then at 13 I started doing it and that was an that's an incredible experience because 
the caddy shack is like on one side, right? And then you have this like small fence and that fence divides the poorest people to literally the most powerful and richest people in Washington. Wow. Like um, a lot of Supreme Court justices belong there. Senate, I caddied for Alan Greenspan when he was dating Andrea Mitchell. Wow. Like crazy stuff. And so learning how to be accepted on both sides of the fence from 13 on was a really um, formidable experience for me. And I use those type of um, learnings every day. My God. Because you really had to like, all those guys were from Southeast. They had a lot of wonderful people, but a lot of issues. Um, with their putting game? Yeah, with their putting game. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and some some drug issues. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, and then you go across the, the fence and then you know you learn like not to speak when spoken yeah, to. Yeah, I was just gonna yeah. say all of those all of those unwritten rules that no one really teaches you. Yeah. Um, that you learn on for four and a half hours on a golf course. Because a lot of time I mean I spent three hours with Alan Greenspan. That's a lot of that's a lot of time. Or like, you know, Jordan came out okay, that's I carried for Wilbon, um, wow. you know, and, and that's how I met Tony Kornheiser. Wow. Like that. It was fascinating. And, and, and it was cash only. So you were doing that and it, you could get out at 7 a.m. You could be have $100 in your pocket by 11 a.m. And you keep that. You don't have to and, share yeah, it with the rest. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Yeah, no, you give it to that. Alan Greenspan. <laughs> you say, what do I do <laughs> with this? I should have done that. But yeah, that, that was the thing. So it was cash only. So you, we always had cash in our pocket in, in the summers. And it was like. You could buy so many shoes. It was unbelievable. Yeah. It was unbelievable. And so I started out carrying one bag. Um, and then after like a year or two, you carry two bags. And, and once we, you got that weight set. Well, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I was yeah. doing it. And then that's how I, I did it um, through college and through when I was working in the mailroom, like up until like 23. Wow. Um, I was still working as a caddy on the side. At what point do you understand how to, how to read a green? That's a good question. I would say like over a period of time and you kind of like because at 13 you're not saying, please don't read that part, um but after a while like in some of those member guest tournaments like if you you know if you've been there for a year a couple of years and you, you might might just say yeah, you know two, two cups to the left or whatever wow. um but yeah it was were you like did you actually know or were you like lying to people you're no. like oh yeah yeah, yeah. i think the, <laughs> I, i've seen enough missed putts to know <laughs> yeah. um so you know it's that was you know that was eight years of and, and the other thing was i didn't have a license so it's taking the to the J or the M whatever that was to East West Highway and like getting up at six a.m. every day in the summer. Wow! Every wow. single day, and you put your name on a list because first come first. Oh, third. true. Yeah. Wow. So every day, my brother and I were getting up crazy five thirty in the morning. It's like a sport how early you could get there. Yeah. And then what you do is it's like the Supreme Line. It's crazy. It, it literally. Yeah. yeah. It, it's like and then we would go and then we, when we had a car we would drive down to like Einstein Bagelry and wait for like an hour and a half because the, the first tea time was like seven fifteen. Man. And um. And just learned a lot about life um, on the golf course in that caddy shack. A lot about life. What does seniority get you there? Um, a good amount because people have their regulars. So like, you may not have to come at six in the morning. If, mm -hmm. you, know, if you know your guy, they didn't really. I guess they had phones or they, they, they can communicate like, "Yo, I'm playing at nine o'clock." An OG guy could come at eight forty-five and then get off. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you came at nine o'clock, you were probably thirtieth on the list and mm. not getting out till like three o'clock. And you're not making money when you're sitting in that caddy shack. Yeah. Right. You know, you're just watching crappy soap operas. <laughs> yeah. Like all day long. Um, when was the first time that you got to play the course? <laughs> On Mondays, caddies are allowed to play. Yeah. That, that was the rule back then. So at 13? Uh, yeah. Anyone, any caddy could play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we would play on Mondays. Yeah, yeah I bet you could. Um, I, I didn't get, get, like, start getting decent at golf until, like, 
college. Mm-hmm. So I, I didn't play. I was playing other sports. Yep. Um, but I wish I would have learned how to be really good at golf early yeah. on. It <laughs> certainly helps you now. Yeah. Because again, it's it's four and a half, five hours with somebody that it's uninterrupted for the most part, and uh, and they're and they're focused, and that's. I mean, think about anything: friends, family members, husbands, wives. You rarely get four and a half, five un, uninterrupted hours yeah. in life, and so that's why the golf course is a fascinating place to have conversations and to learn about a lot of different things. Well, we're going to do a six-hour podcast. Today. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> I know. As, long as, we, as long as we get a drink at the turn, then uh, we, can, we can be we can be fine. We can do um, that. Where do you fall on the Phil Mickelson sort of hubbub that happened? Uh, I mean, it's just like. He hit a moving ball, right? Yeah, he, yeah. Had, he had a moving ball. It was just un- unbecoming of him. I mean, mm. it's something, again, something that any of As us would do. <laughs> As a caddy, I'd be like, what are you doing? You really should have consulted me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, like, like I, I think what's interesting is you rarely see those lapses at the highest level. Like, you know, like whether it was Jordan or LeBron or anybody, like you don't see like a conscious thing about a baseball player just like throwing it in like for no reason just <laughs> yeah. because he's pissed. Right. Yeah. And so that like you rarely see that, that, that just um, glimpse of, of not you know, having a top level of, of, of thinking during a, a competition. So I was surprised, but um, I mean, he's done enough <laughs> wonderful things in the last 25 years where yeah. anyone gets a pass, yeah. I guess it's Phil. Yeah. At the end of high school, as you're getting ready to graduate, yeah. where are you looking to go to school? Um, so there was four schools uh, I applied to, um, and I was chasing like a Division three baseball opportunity in mm-hmm. Lynchburg in Virginia, um, and James Madison was the school I ended up going to. Mm-hmm. Um, also, Maryland was getting super hard to get into. Really? So I mean, somehow they let people For in-state? In. Yeah, yeah, in-state too. So I, <laughs> so I, actually, <laughs> I actually didn't apply to Maryland because I thought I was not going to get in. Whoa. So I didn't, I didn't even apply. Where'd your brother go, by the way? Uh, Virginia Tech. Okay. Virginia Tech, yeah, two years. Mm-hmm. And he was there during the um, Michael Vick era, which was incredible. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, I went to James Madison, two hours south in, uh, in Virginia, and... Uh, um, had a wonderful time. Met a lot of my good friends. But met my wife there. It was fantastic. Time. Not a big school. Not a big school. About fourteen thousand. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, it used to be an all women's school. Mm-hmm. So the the ratio Shout was to like, Dolly Madison. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It was ratio was like seventy thirty. Wow. Even then, more wow. stats. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Right. I'm playing the odds. Exactly. 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 So um, and I had never knew. I, the good thing about there, like all my friends were for the most part from like the middle of nowhere, Virginia, mm-hmm. and so I had never heard, literally, never heard of Led Zeppelin, never heard of CCR. Oh, listen, they there. never heard of Go. Go, so right, you were exactly. you were straight. Yeah, so that was the, that was the best thing that came out of that um, time, and like in the country in Harrison, Virginia, is learning about. I had literally never heard of Led Zeppelin in my life, outside of maybe the when Puffy did the uh, yeah yeah there. right. Yeah. Literally, that's how. I, so it was t- on the my, Godzilla soundtrack. Yeah, from yeah. A, yes, from yeah. a music standpoint, I learned so much about like Alice in Chains and just all these bands. I just never never knew until I met people who were really passionate about it. Yeah, your your freshman year roommate has yes, that's yeah. what he brings exactly. to the table. No, it's true. It's, it was fascinating. So. Um, What'd you uh, go there to major in? I uh, majored in marketing. Okay. Um, and then... Uh, What'd you know about marketing? Were you like... I mean, nothing. Yeah. <laughs> I don't... Like, I had no direction. Zero direction. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't know what I wanted. I mean, I was music. I liked sports. But yeah. I, I had no direction until my parents told me I had to get an internship my sophomore going to my junior year mm-hmm. and um fun fact my dad is friends with donnie simpson the morning show host uh, yeah legendary and also did all the bet um interviews and so he reached out um to donnie simpson and donnie uh e- emailed he was with kys at the time mm-hmm. and thea mitchum i think was the head of programming there 
and um, or it's PGC or KYS. And then Thea Mitchum reached out to uh, a promotion executive named Jim Payne at Arista in the DC office. So I interned for Arista in the in the in like the branch office when we had distribution branches. Wow. In 2000, 2000. and that was right around when. Um, what were they working on? Some of the outcasts. Uh, I remember there was a single release party where you could get exclusive, like we could hear Miss Jackson and B.O.B. for the first time. Whoa. Because um, because all of like... Cause Bombs like, over Baghdad, yeah, not, not, not exactly. B.O.B. Yeah, no, yeah. Not the, not the rapper, So like yeah. at B.M.G. you had Arista, Bad Boy, Loud was still on RCA. You had um, the pop reps, you had Wind Up. Um, and so it was incredible. And then you also had all the sales reps and stuff. So I learned a ton about, that was my first foray in the music industry. Wow. Um, and that's what got me focused. And I came back that uh, junior year. Okay, now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start. And what could this. you do on campus that had to do with music? Um, there were those street teams. Yeah. <laughs> so you were putting up posters? The digital street teams. Oh, Platform.net, do you guys remember? No. no. Hooked. Oh, Hooked, oh, yes. Hooked, yeah, yeah. Hooked, we talked about Hooked yeah, on the podcast. Platform.net yeah. was an... OG Internet 1.0 company. <laughs> and um, so I became a digital street team member. And as part of that, they, you know, Raucous was advertising on there, on their like banner ads. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, this was right around when they were doing a Lyricist Lounge show in 2000. Um, and I said to the, the platform.net people, like, can I go to the show in New York at the Roseland Ballroom? Wow. And so they said, yeah, we'll put two tickets up there. And so I, my friend and I drove from Harrisonburg to New York for this Lyricist Lounge show, got to Roseland Ballroom. Did you think my name was going to be on that, on that guest Absolutely list? not. No Absolutely way. No not. way. Yeah. So what do you do in that so situation? I, I'm standing there at the will call. Uh, I am the <laughs> <rep>. <laughs> Yeah. I'm stuttering. Yeah. I'm 20 years old, 19 years old. And we drove up seven hours for this show. Oh. Yeah. And so... And by that time, like Roseland was closed. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> so I just went there. I was like, I'm not going. I'm not leaving until I get into this show. Yeah. Like, Feral Monch is like literally up there. I'm yeah. not leaving. Yeah. And so she gave me, this woman gave me two tickets for somebody else. And my friend and I walked in and wow. she said, if you ever need anything, let me know. And gave her my info, gave her, she gave me her information. What? So then what kind of charmed bullshit is <laughs> yeah, this yeah, yeah. so then <laughs> i went back show was awesome and another internship i thought i had for the summer of 2001 fell through and i emailed that woman alexa breadberry um who was in the marketing staff at raucous and she said i actually need an intern and that's how i got an internship at raucous records crazy crazy and that was that was june of 2001 and that's when like the beat miners album was coming out Big L's mom used to always come up and, yeah. and get the royalty, <laughs> royalty checks. And I used to see like Quali in the elevator and Black Sean, who was the A&R guy. And um, Dan Seliger had him on, like Jared Bryant. And like the whole thing was so crazy. So yeah. you moved up here. Yeah. So I was at um, NYU has housing if, you're, if you have an internship. Really? So a bunch of my friends and I had internships. That's a great here. place to live. Yeah, too. yeah. Uh, Hayden Hall in the park. I was like, yeah, this can this can work. Yeah. Um, and so I, I stayed at Hayden Hall at NYU and uh, interned at Raucous um, that summer, and it changed absolutely changed my life. What What did they have you do? Uh, a lot of like calling record stores and saying how many pieces of Big L <laughs> Platinum Plus are we selling? That's a fact. And like Howie McDuffie was like my like also like you know I, I kind of reported to him when Alexa was busy. Uh, a lot of stuff with the beat miners album i did a lot of stuff with um mr walton and, wow. and, and those guys um and that was like a little on the tail end because they just signed cool G rap for way too much more money and they yeah. were starting to lose their way a little bit um so i wasn't there at the peak of all that stuff but i was definitely there when it was it was rocking man it was rocking they had the m&m like early on 
um, that first Slim Shady gold record in their in their on their lounge. It was crazy. I feel like I was interning for a record label because I was calling up and being like, "Do you have the Nerd album? Do you have the Nerd album?" <laughs> no, literally, it's the same yeah. thing. It's, yeah. it, it, it's so true, guys. Like that is. It was a lot of that and a lot of like putting posters together, and, like the POP for retail, putting that up. Um, and uh, and I got to meet everybody. Came in like every day and um, Nick Rosenberg. Nick Rosenberg yeah. was there. Yeah, he was. He was. Um, he was working there. And also was Cypher Sounds there? Cypher. Uh, uh, he was probably coming in. It was before the um, volume three had come out. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, Sound bombing. But yeah, yeah. but um, Pla- Black Sean and uh, I'll tell you, the only time I've ever been starstruck in my entire career is when I ran into Ayatollah, the producer, in the rock oh, like mail room. I thought you meant Kumani. No, <laughs> Ayatollah, the producer. Like That was like, it was like a year after, a year or two after um, Miss Fat Booty came out. Yeah. And I had never like met any like important hip hop producers. That's and the only time you've been starstruck? Really, I was super starstruck. Damn. Sorry, and, Michael Wilbon. Yeah, no, yeah. but like he... Well, he's not a rapper. But like <laughs> it was such an interesting um, to be in that mailroom because they shipped all the vinyl distribution. The vinyl distribution was handled by Raucous. Yeah. So they shipped everything out of 676 Broadway. And that was on you? Well, I mean, I was, I was helping the yeah. t-shirts. They had like the whole... They had all their t-shirts on one side and all their vinyl. Wow. Shipped around the world from that raucous. Crazy. It's crazy. Did you go to any of the shows like at SOBs or anything? All of those. Yeah. yeah all of those. Yeah. It's crazy. And and our in-store for the Beatminers album was in Brooklyn and it was the same day as the Jagged Edge in-store at the Tower Records on West 4th. Wait, wow. Which one was bigger? <laughs> and I quickly learned. And I was walking to, I was talking to Subway to go to Brooklyn for this Beatminers in-store and the Jagged Edge line was like around the block time yeah. six. Yeah. And we got to the Brooklyn in-store and it was like... Not where the party was at. Not where the party was at. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Did, yes. did you have a chip on your shoulder being at Raucous Records where you're like, yo, I'm part of this and oh my gosh. I'm saving hip hop. Yeah. No, I thought it was yeah. just, I kind of fell into it and I felt so like I, I couldn't believe this was happening mm-hmm. because I, I, I had those pictures on my wall four months ago. Yeah. And to be at, to be at 676 Broadway, it was just a fast, it was crazy. Yeah. And, and it was wonderful to be, you know, play an extremely small role, just to be a fly on the wall to see this stuff happening. Um, and, uh, you know, they had offices in LA and, and London and they were, you know, and like, I remember Black Sean's office just being enamored, like people smoking weed in the. On, like I was like, this is a thing, Are right? Yeah. Hate for this, and that <laughs> opened my eyes into like, okay, nothing else is going to happen unless nothing else outside the music industry is going to happen for me. That was that that summer really was like okay. And when I left, they said okay, when you graduate, I left like you know August twentieth, two thousand one. When you graduate, we'll have a job probably for you. And then twelve days later was nine eleven. And then Raucous, for other reasons, went from like 60 employees to, you remember that time? Yeah. Like 13, 14, 15 employees. My boss left and that was it. I, you know, I was I, that was the end of my time. So when you graduate from college. No job. No job. No job. Yeah, back to caddying. Um, and, and interviewing for jobs. And those four months of interviewing coming up here on the train were dark, Hell. dark days. Were bro. there any chances of you just like not living in New York? Um... Yeah, open to it. Open as long as I, I, if there was a job, I was open to it in the music. I mean, I'm not offering you one now. (laughs) (laughs) There was, I was open to any location, Mm -hmm. um, as long as it was in the music industry. Mm -hmm. And so, I, you remember that company, Major League Entertainment? They they co-put out one of those. It was like a raucous co-release that I think. Pharaoh Monch did. Hmm. Anyways, I interviewed with them. I took the train up, and they, ne- and they never showed up for the interview at their office. Yeah. I got to their lobby. Never showed up. 
That's so shitty. Yeah, it was so shitty. I, and I interviewed. I him. am the rep. <laughs> <laughs> you know my resume. I am 21 years old, and I've worked at two regional record labels. Have uh, you heard of Platform.net? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. exactly. Um, and then I, and then another legendary one was I interviewed um, at the Cutting Room Studio, which yeah. is 672 Broadway or one of those. Um, and they said we can give you the overnight shift, cleaning the studio, not paid. Well, that you sounds, said that sounds terrible. No, yeah, I did tell that to my now wife, then girlfriend. She was like, "Absolutely not, man." Yeah, so that, so it was rough there. But then I ended up um, getting a job in the mailroom at BMG at the place I interned with originally in two thousand two. Right, which was paid and not overnight. Which was yeah. paid, yeah. Which was paid, and that was um, and I did that for for thirteen months, and that was the start of just incredible, you know, a really fun run so far. And how many? Uh, Rappers worked in that mailroom with you that were trying to get you to listen to their <laughs> I raps. I mean, it's funny. It's funny because not as many as you'd think. Um, they were probably going I to think like the rest. seven thousand. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was Greenbelt, Maryland. Yeah, yeah. You know, like a lot of boxes are checked in terms of how many rappers are rolling up to the BMG Mid East Mid Atlantic office. Um, but yeah, it was. Uh, it was uh, a great time there because you got to see like what 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 does promo mean? What does sales mean? What is like the the New York offices calling down for their distribution calls and um, you know fasting time and that's like when a lot of like I mailed out a lot of Bone Crusher. People, oh man, a lot. It's a big Bone Crusher yeah. time. A lot. Of yeah. Bone Crusher. A lot of like. Um, you know, a lot of some of that Bun B stuff on Jive, mm-hmm. um, just a, a lot of classic stuff, a lot of the Outcast stuff, um, and really um, a wonderful time, you know, to be starting out and at, at the lowest pos- possible part in the mailroom. And what did you think was the next step up? I, I knew it, there was distribution, like a field marketing rep was the next step up within the system. And so this is a crazy story. So the um, they, they, they broke down distribution of like all the retail outlets by pop, urban, and alternative. And so they, they were like the urban product de- development coordinator, PDC. And so you deal with like the same goodies and all this stuff and you'd be responsible for a marketing campaign. So the urban product, product guy, really nice guy, he actually was out in LA and he was killed in a drive-by. Whoa, holy shit. And this guy, Jay Reed, a wonderful guy. And so the only reason I got out of the mailroom is because the woman who was doing urban field marketing got his job. So then I took her job in Philly as the the field marketing rep in Philadelphia. And that's how I got out of the mailroom because really unfortunate, tragic event where um, this executive, Jay Reed, was... Was, was killed out in LA and that got me to Philadelphia. Oh my God. So it was like, I knew him extremely well. Holy shit. And he went out there for to do some stuff and, and that's how it ha- It was crazy. 2003. So crazy. So you go to work in Philadelphia then? So I, yes, I moved to Philadelphia and that was amazing um, because that was at the time when like Music Soul Child and like all like all the Rockefeller Philly stuff was really happening. Oh my yeah. God. It was such, a, and again, this job is literally just putting up like posters at 30th Street Station. That, right. You know, and yeah, but but you but you but I said okay, I'm gonna make the most of it and like go to more shows and like go to Fluid where Questlove and Yamin you know I were hosting their weekly parties and like going to the five spot and going to all these dope are you, spots. Are you meeting people? hundred percent. So yeah, yeah, just like meet, just like put myself out there. Yo, I, I'm I'm the field marketing rep. <laughs> yeah, for yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah why yeah. aren't you talking to me? <laughs> yeah. Um, and so like. Uh, so I met a lot of people. Um, like Sneaker Villa was like a spot that I think still exists in Philly, and all the radio reps I became cool with. So when we would do walkthroughs, all the radio reps would I would, and I would tag along with them, um, and just incredible time. And like 
that was when Iverson was like going out to clubs like a lot. Whoa. Were you going to clubs with Iverson? Well, the Ruben Stuttered album release party. Hold in on. Philadelphia. Yeah. yeah, this is like the Venn diagram is yeah, just I like know. Here completely we go. on me. Yeah. Yeah. So there were about 30 people at this Ruben Stuttered album release party in Philly. And A real who's who. And, and, and one of them was definitely Alan Iverson who pulled up in his Bentley and the wow. sunflower seeds and the whole thing. Yeah. By the way, in that situation, it's like, I don't care that there's just 30 people no, here. No, it was amazing. No. When was AI playing, shows up. He was playing pool. It was crazy. And so like that... Um, and that, that was like, I would see the retail posters and I remember like, you know, Tier Marie and, and Petey Crack were like in 16 point font and Kanye <laughs> West was like on two point font. Yeah. Fact. Like yeah. all like the, all those retail markets in Philly had those Rockefeller like big posters. You remember those ones? Yeah, yeah totally. And so, and I remember like, um, that was right when College Dropout was well, starting to happen. Yeah, I mean, it, it's the Ruben Stutter time, so sorry for... Sorry, 2004. 2004. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, Which, by the way, kills a karaoke. Great, great karaoke <laughs> now. Yeah. It does. Yeah, yeah still holds yeah. up. Yeah. yeah. Still holds up. Still holds up. So that was like... So that was uh, an incredible time to be in Philadelphia. I did that for nine months, and then I left to go to a... Uh, an actual city. An actual city. <laughs> back, to, back to D.C. for a radio promotion job. Um, I was like a consultant. And then my boss there got to Sony in 05 and that's how I got to Sony he was really tight with Don Einer um, and I started at Sony Urban in the, in the rap picture department so who else was working at Sony Urban at that time so Lisa Ellis was running it um, that's where I met uh, Chris Green and Malcolm Miles uh, in the rap promotion department mm-hmm. um, was KP working there KP yeah so KP and Dino were uh, yeah Dino was with Chad Elliott yep KP was the boss and Dino and Chad were like and then, you know just like Kawan Prather and, and yeah. Dino uh, Dino Devaye yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. like Gunners like, and Chad Elliott did all those um, did a lot of stuff with Jermaine Dupree and wrote wrote records also. And so between KP, Dino, and Chad is just hitters. Yeah. Like really strong A&R. And, you know, that's one of the reasons, I don't know the whole backstory, but when Destiny's Child did Soldier, you had KP who, who um, signed TI mm-hmm. and you had Dino who did the cash money deal. That's why you have Wayne, you know, one of the reasons why you have Wayne and TI. Unbelievable. Hold that, on. That I thought it was there. an organic thing. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that, that was that, a big moment. Yeah, yeah big, that was huge. Moment. And so, and so the, so to see like so Sony Urban at that time was just we were just you know John Legend was on like I came in like on the third single yep um, and did a lot of great work with them um, and then that was for his first record yeah first record for Get Lifted yep, yeah yep and then and it was just it was awesome it was like my first promo tour was um, Three Six Mafia and I started with Stay Fly at like 15 spins. That's I started like October 2005 and they had just put out Stay Fly. 15 spins where? In the mix, yeah. like a week, like super early. Wait, so, like, like total? Total. Like the, the song Nationwide. just came out. Nationwide. Not Philly. Not, no, 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 just yeah. came out. DMV. So we just started working at a mix show. Wow. And it started to like, there were a couple like early early markets that really started to get onto it. We knew we had some, so we put it on the promo store. Yeah. Literally. <laughs> and um, JMH in Greensboro. And, um, yeah. and so, so I was in a row with with Paul Juicy and Crunchy and those guys for like months. Wow. There's places that you start with Hartford, Connecticut, yeah. right? Yep, yep, um, yep. Some places in Texas. Yep. Well, in terms of like breaking records, breaking records, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah the good because programmers. because those programmers want to be the first guys Correct. who yes. get a record. Yep, yep. And, and obviously, with them, it was you know in Memphis. Yeah. Um, Devin Steele, those guys were no better with breaking records. And then you see growth, and then you can totally. graduate to the yes. next thing. And, and and then like I think you know once it starts really proving its um, weight outside of the regional like. Three Six Mafia records will always do well at HRK and KXHT, I think were the call letters back then. So, but, but when we start to see other, whether it was like ZMX or whatever, start to move on Stay Fly, mm-hmm. and then you just felt it. And it was it was insane to see it in real time as Stay Fly is like 
ascending and becoming like this iconic thing. Um, and, and, and I became close with those guys and, um, fascinating, fascinating. And then, so that was about three or four months and we have just like a million stories and, you know, it just, um, I remember when the album came out, like they weren't thrilled about that first week and I was on a tour bus with them from Houston to Dallas Whoa. when those first week numbers, and the first week numbers were decent, mm-hmm. but I, you know, Juicy and Paul, you know, wanted one more. So like that was my first interaction with artists not being happy on first week numbers. I'm <laughs> yeah. in the t- on the tour bus with them going from Houston to Dallas. And so, um, how long is that ride? It's, I'm going to incorrectly say maybe three, three hours. Mm-hmm. And how long did it feel like? <laughs> a billion with Paul screaming or something. Yeah. Ju- no, really juicy screaming probably. And so, but those guys I became really close with and they're wonderful people. And, um, and then pop my collar just like, Oh blue. yeah, and then side to side flew. I mean, people forget the side to side remixes you had with Kanye, Kanye, yeah, because he had the good music deal with Sony Urban, mm-hmm. and then you had Bow Wow as we were trying to keep doing that. So like that side to side, those records were awesome. And then like got you hooked with Remy Ma, like those. So that that whole process of most known unknown like becoming a thing was oh. my first foray. That side to side remix is still one of our favorites. It's unbelievable, and we like the mixtape like versions better yeah, than yeah, the actual yeah, yeah, yeah. like you know. Yeah, yeah but, but like they like those eight like because we used to a side b side those records. And I think Gotcha Hooked. Side to side was a proper single, but Gotcha Hooked was the b side to um, Pop My Collar. Mm-hmm. And I remember we were at the Mix Show Power Summit, and Remy Ma came up to like Chris Green, and, he, and she was like. Thank you. Like that record is keeping me so hot right now. Wow. And, it, and that was just a B side, but the, but Three Six Mafia was so on fire, and we did so many amazing things and um, incredible time. How creative were you allowed to get in terms of you know pushing records that that you felt some sort uh, of attachment to? I was I was like the fourth on the totem pole on, on, on the rhythm department, so not. But just like I was, but we were getting, we, we had like those little flip records were working. Mm-hmm. We had a lot of records. So you were like a caddy. You were waiting. We, you speak when spoken to. Speak when yeah. spoken to. Deliver yeah. these records. Yeah. Get, yeah. get mix show airplay. Yeah. Um, and get uh, yelled at. Get yelled at. Get yelled at <laughs> on Monday morning a lot. Yeah. A lot of yelling. A lot of yelling. But it was, um, it was just, those were, those were like insane records. And you start to like, then you, you get a feel of like these, like in that video for Stay Fly, mm-hmm. um, I think Gil Green did it. I think um, just iconic. Yeah. And everything lined up everything lined up and now to see it you know to see them like 25 years in the game now like just you see this whether it's with the G-Eazy record or the A$AP oh, Ferg record it's right like, now, they're more relevant than they ever which been. is crazy how crazy is very, that yeah. very and it's, it's amazing awesome. I, we were we were at Fool's Gold uh, Day Off when A-Track and Nick brought Juicy out yeah. as sort of like a legacy artist yeah he was doing um, the mixtape series yes with um, it was Blue Lean Dream and he was doing with Lex Luger with Lex Luger right yeah, right. Okay. but it was still like oh it's that guy from 3-6 that hit maybe like five years before, yeah. but now you're right, piping hot. I yeah. mean, and I, the influence the, the, is just the influence is crazy. Yeah. The, the, the cadences, the yep. publishing must be insane. I bet. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I'm super happy for them, and they are they're wonderful people. Well, this is jumping ahead. Although we already just did jump ahead, yeah. this is jumping back at, ahead. <laughs> the Oscars. Yes. Were you around during that I, time? Yeah. We. I mean, you see, um, it was Lisa Ellis and Liz Housel, one of the person you see those. Those are three women screaming in the back when they pan to them because they put them way in the back. <laughs> And that was just a uh, incredible, you know. That's when like that we were so like, riding high. Yeah. And 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 I, on the double XL that month after, um, they they put that picture of the three of them with the Oscars up of like, um, and then there was some saying and I blew that back page up of just like a reminder of like, if three six Mafia can win an Oscar, then I don't want to hear any this can't happen. And that was it's like an inspirational thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's a, it's always a good reminder of like if three six Mafia can win an Oscar award, then any idea that you guys come up with or whoever comes up with 
if they believe in it, can potentially see the light of day because Three Six Mafia won an Oscar. Yeah. yeah. Hey guys, just want to take one second to interrupt this podcast because Jeff, you know what time it is? What time is that? It is t-shirt time and t-shirts are going all around this country, Jeff, from Los Angeles to Northern and Southern California, Montreal, which is not in this country, Brooklyn, Bronx, Manhattan, Long Island, Westchester, all around New Jersey, Cheyenne, Brooklyn, Bronx, Manhattan, <laughs> Staten, Uptown, Cheyenne, Wyoming, Portland, Oregon, Columbia and Baltimore, Maryland, Wheaton, West Virginia, Marietta, Georgia, Toronto, Canada, Austin, Ennis, Cypress, Texas, Port St. Lucie, Florida, to Cleveland, Ohio, Washington, D.C., and many more. Jeff, our AKA t-shirts, now in black and in purple, our Lakers t-shirts, which we only have three larges left. If you're a LeBron James fan, mm-hmm. if you're a Los Angeles Lakers fan, if you're an It's The Real fan, we have three large Los Angeles It's The Real t-shirts. You should get them right now. What if you're a Lonzo Ball fan? I say you still get them. All the t-shirts, impeccably put together, impeccably designed, impeccably fit. It's thereal.com slash shop. So go get yours today before they run out. We're mailing them every day with handwritten notes. Handwritten notes. Our mom loves them. How nice. Go to itsthereal.com slash shop right now and back to the podcast. What did it feel like to work with a team and see all these different divisions work together? Crazy. Yeah. Because again, previously I was in like a regional office. So mm-hmm. like to be at the hub, which I always wanted to be, it was fascinating. You see how all the, I don't know any of this stuff works. Right. So you're learning in real time how, you know, when you get airplay at like a cube in Seattle, how you need to like, you know, activate the sales team and like you make sure and or like when you when we we have a new deal with a Kanye West let's put him on the remix so like crazy yeah so it really was a a crash course in learning how how uh and there's so many divisions back then too because you had like you know the the uh, you had money in the industry. The, yeah, the, the video ring, team. Yeah, the ringtone division. Yeah, no, no honestly. Cracks. We know people who have plaques from ringtone. Yeah, yeah. 100%. Yeah. One, yeah, one of the smartest guys at Sony, this kid, he started out being like the ringtone guy. Wow. And he would always get called on in the meetings. <laughs> always. And so, yeah, there was a tons, ton, way way different departments then than there are now. When were the big meetings then? On Wednesdays? or um, The Sony Urban meeting, I think, was on a Wednesday. Because yeah. you had the Tuesday releases. Tuesday releases. And you also had like the Columbia label meeting, which was super like buttoned up um <laughs> the, the sunny urban meetings were a little less buttoned yeah. up, a lot less buttoned up but yeah um those were weekly meetings and you'd go over like so and so it was crazy traveling so much yeah. on the road yeah do you get to keep those miles yes really <laughs> yes That's i dope. also learned that um oh there's this one hotel in dallas like you you saw like a lot of times you were staying where the artists were staying and like dope hotel that's really nice amazing I'd, I'd never been to like texas that many much before like any of these places yeah um so yeah definitely get the, you definitely get the miles when i did the rihanna plane mm-hmm. did not get the miles <laughs> did not yeah. get no, the miles would have been great no also didn't get to stay in hotels that much yeah. But, yeah, but, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. but the hotels we did stay in amazing yeah. <laughs> yes yes yeah. no we, we we did have your own frequent flyer miles and who are some of the the radio people that you grew closest to um, that's a good question. I would say DJ Buck for sure in mm-hmm. Hartford at um, WZMX. Um, uh, the folks down at LLD in Tampa, Orlando, and um, Christine Peters um, are wonderful people. A lot of the people at Power 96 in Miami. Mm. Uh, Cuban Seattle, Hyphen, mm-hmm. um, is a good friend of mine. Oh, Hyphen listens to our podcast. Yes, DJ Shout Hyphen, out to him. What up? What up? Um, and 
Yeah, just those were the you know those are the key people. And uh, how does payola work? <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because that settlement happened in 2004, like mm-hmm. that, that, all that that whole blow up thing. So mm. I came in like at the perfect perfect time. time. Yeah, Don't, didn't have to deal with deal with that. Yeah. Yeah. All that stuff was in place, and you know I just you know it came down to like are the records hot and are you fun to be around? Mm-hmm. That's how promo- that's what promotion comes down to. Yeah, are you fun to be around? Are the records hot and have have, have you helped me in some way? What is some record that you pushed that? people really took a chance on just maybe because you were a good guy i think one, one record that i'm really proud of is that um that ray cash bumping my music record yo great record great record featuring scarface yeah the original, yeah i think um, also high tech on the remix yes bun yes. b right yep yeah mm-hmm. so um that record uh kp signed ray cash yep. and we had put out one or two records before but that record we were like oh that's that's a record and um i remember going to K- in portland kxj in portland they, they played it and I, I believed in that record and um that's a great hip-hop record it kind of gets lost in the shuffle a little bit right well so we went to akron ohio for like a speaking thing mm-hmm. uh shout out to just crisis and we were we heard that it wasn't big actually in ohio right that it was big yeah, in we, like Dallas. We, we and... didn't break it maybe all the way. Mm-hmm. I felt like I felt like we got a top ten at rhythm. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, we could have. There, there are probably patches where it definitely didn't get any airplay. Mm-hmm. Um, but great record, great track, and uh, you know that was a uh, that was a good like run on like that broke from mix show. Bro, and we, we we did so many custom versions of that song. Like we like if you were a DJ, like yeah. I'm sure Peter Rosenberg has a has a, has yeah. a version of Ray Cash singing like shout out to PMD or whatever. That's amazing. That's yeah. sort of like the, when LMFAO was like, <laughs> I'm in Des Moines, yeah. bitch. Yeah, yeah. So we, that was our special. We used to do and so many. Custom they sold all those on iTunes too. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. you can yeah. get any no like, any city. It's like yeah. I'm in Billings, Montana, bitch. <laughs> yeah. Like it's yeah, amazing. Yeah, I mean it's basically like dub plates. Yeah, yeah. totally. It's not, it's not different. We do that for Kali Buds. We do that. A bunch of artists. So yeah, it worked. Wow, and, it sounds like you're shitting all over LMFAO's strategy. <laughs> no, monetizing it. God bless. God bless. Were you comfortable in that position that you were in, yeah. being the fourth man on the totem pole, working I, these records? I was comfortable because I had great people that I was reporting to, like I yell at Schiffman, who's um, a, a legend, a legend, a, a legend, executive at, at Columbia. Mike Lieberman um, was there for a while too, who does a lot of work with the uh, Mad Decent crew. Hmm. Um, and the best thing that they gave me, they told me just go on the road. And it was Ayala was the one that when we just signed the Rock Nation deal, she was like, you know, Cole is opening, J. Cole is opening for five people on the Blueprint 3 tour. Mm-hmm. Um, let's go. We told them we were going to go break lights, please. So she was like, Brian, you got to go break lights, please. So that her saying that and I just lived on the road with them for that whole Blueprint 3 tour, which started in Seattle, was the um, one of the turning points in my career that she did that for me uh blueprint three tour was uh j n-e-r-d n-e-r-d oh, yep big fan wale <laughs> okay and then at 6 15 before the doors open up <laughs> j cole <laughs> it was a, it was a maintenance performance only yeah yeah it was, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a ruben stuttered yeah, type crowd six, six, yeah he was the first on the bill what did did he have like a a, a banner or something that he could definitely put? not yeah no, no, no. it was like him and eve and, and, uh, and a few <laughs> other people and they did you know they did stuff from the warm-up and the come-up and and the first radio station that J. Cole ever went to um, was Cube in Seattle. Wow. For the, for the uh, Hyphen and More show. Um, which that, That's where I met those guys for the first time in Seattle on that first date. And then we just got Lights Please to a point. And then um, we started, you know, just grinding out like mid-level mix show records for well, J. Cole. What, were your first, what was your first impression of J. Cole when you like first heard about him and then when you first met him? Um, first heard, like, I, I did not know about the come up or the warm up before we signed it to Rock Nation. That Big was, fan. Yeah, I did not know about that. Uh, I think the warm up had just come out. 
mm, maybe a few months before that. So, so maybe like, like so, like Jay comes in with Jay Brown, like say, here are our three priorities. Jay Cole being one of them. But we like we, we knew that like Jay Cole was the one that like we were really really going to focus on. So, I met him for the first time in the Columbia Conference Room, and then obviously um, again in Seattle. And my impressions of them as people were like super nice guys um it was him mike sean eve that was the three yeah um still still yeah and that's and then we became just really tight and um, did you like did you see a star quality within him i think so yeah yeah i think that they um the the thing that i knew the most about the three of them was they asked mad questions mm. why are we we're gonna we'll do this but why are we doing this mm-hmm. like they th- those guys asked more questions than anyone else i've ever worked with hmm. Like, why are we doing this really shitty performance at WMBX in West Palm at their conference room? Like, why are we doing that? Well, because Mark McCray at the time also is an influential programmer, and he's on a conference call. And like, if we do, if we do higher and lights please, that mm-hmm. it, it resonates. And they were like, okay, cool, got it. And he killed it. And so he and and even those guys, he's like, what is research? What does call out mean? Like, what what does this mean? Like, and so he asked all those questions, and you can tell that like. And also, like his his association when he meets people, you can just tell it's instant. Mm-hmm. And there's a quality that few people have of that connection to artists and fans, uh, and he has that. Mm. And uh, and he had a great team, and um, we worked all those. And we worked all those mid level mix show records. We mm-hmm. worked Blow Up. Mm-hmm. I, I love those records. Those records are great. Yeah. yeah. And like I remember, we thought so many times we had the one. <laughs> I remember like with Blow Up, he he's like. Him and E be like, B, we got it. We just, we just played for Jay, like we got it. So I went over to, like they were in a car at um, at the Ralph Lauren store in the West Village. Mm-hmm. And I sat in their back seat and listened to the blow up instrumental. And I was like, oh, we definitely got it. <laughs> that is the big hit. And then it was a great record, but it was, uh, you know, capped off at like 700 spins. So you have to sell a narrative around an artist, right? Yeah. What is the narrative of J. Cole at that point? Um, a... Great lyricist that is comfortable in his own skin and connects with fans. Also taller than expected. Yeah. Also, <laughs> yeah. Really, good, also really good at basketball. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and and also like went to St. John's. That mm-hmm. was a big narrative for sure. Yeah. Um, you know his background, especially around here. But just in general, like, oh, okay. they, they, we always wanted to play into that. Like, oh, this is important to him. Yeah. Um, Did you talk about how his name used to be the rapist? <laughs> Sean Connery. Um, yeah. The, the therapist. I, I, I did not come on until after the therapist had changed to J. Cole. Shout out to the therapist. So when's the first time you started to see like movement in J. Cole's career? I think, um, you know, when we, so we had Who Dat, right? Which was another great record. Another great record, which again, we thought was the one. Mm-hmm. You had uh, a video for we it. We shot a video for that. And... Turned out that wasn't the one, and I, um, and then there was a lull after Who Dat. I think I'm, I'm, I might be getting my, my dates mixed up, but like because Mr. Nice Watch was the <laughs> right, 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 and so like so once um, you know I, I wasn't a hundred percent sure that um, Workout was going to be the record, mm-hmm. but you know we had built so much goodwill. Um, this was my own personal like I I, I know you know if I heard that record first, but. People like really gravitate towards that record very early on, and then it just started. Then we got some early research back, um, and like Wild in Tampa got some early research back on lights on um, on workout, and then you could see like okay, this thing was happening, and yeah. then we knew that we had can't get enough behind us. Mm-hmm. So all I mean, we probably worked six records at mix show before workout. 
Man. So you had like Lights Please, you had Hire, you had Blow Up, you had uh, Who Dat. I mean, we, we were impacting these records at Mix Show and like doing promo tours off of like mid-level, non-charting Mix Show records. But the whole time, so many fans and so many things happening and like more affirmation of like, this is a thing, this is a thing, you just need the right record. So you're not losing like enthusiasm on your end being like, well, how come, like, where is this one thing? Right, I think, I think it was just so much pressure on him to deliver like this single, which I'm sure you've heard a million stories about. And so that's when like, the, that's why um, Friday Night Lights was so important. Because mm-hmm. um, all those records, you know, th- those are the records that we worked, like Hire's on there and, and Blow Up is on there. And those are records that he still performs, you know, a lot of times it shows. For sure. How did you feel as a record label executive when he puts out material for free? Uh, I thought it was it was still fun because mix show mixtapes were like part of the thing. Yeah. This is for my level, my yeah. lower level yeah. of like cool. Like all these, <laughs> these, this is a dope artwork. All these records are great, and it buys us more time. Mm-hmm. Now, um, if you were a lawyer, right, you'd be like, <laughs> "What the heck is going on?" But like, yeah. it kept them really hot, and it was so strategic and smart. And once can't get enough, like that record flew. Amazing, flew. And Amazing then, record. And then, then um, you know, then. When that album came out, and it did, you know, original projection was seventy five, and it did two twenty seven, and um, yeah, what is that morning like? I mean, it, I, well, the first day they, 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 we saw more in the first day at iTunes than the entire projection. Wow. And so, because of the because of the the groundswell that he had a connection to his fans, mm-hmm. and for whatever reason, fans wanted to buy five, six, seven copies to support, and uh, it was, uh, and then that was just instant stratosphere like so much hard work put into that and all those other records you know it's it's, it's crazy would you go to those uh dollar and a dream all concerts of them. Yeah, yeah all of them and what did would you, have you to pay did not have to pay <laughs> <laughs> was your name at the door no did not have to pay thank you puma for sponsoring yeah. the last one no did not have to pay did you did you go back when when you first saw that 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 shift with yeah. him would you go back to the office and be like there really is something I think everybody was saying that yeah. you know, everybody who, who touched that project and there was a lot of great people at Sony uh, and Rock Nation obviously who touched that project everyone was saying the same thing this is real this is happening like this connection is insane everybody knew that he was super special and it's it's crazy to see what's what's happening and then you know and then the growth of like from that album and then you know the four Hills drive stuff um, is is crazy where you get talked about it's so so what the story behind that is what i learned is i was in la and what happens is when a master comes in from like a record label the this was four years ago like the assistant to the head of a and r burns it and then they can listen to it right and so like they get the first pass Mm -hmm. but she um the woman who was doing it she listens to it like while she's like burning it or whatever and then she came into my office and she was like you won't fucking believe this. <laughs> like that like you won't believe this and um the fact that like the that was we've been working together for like five years or whatever and that um for him to say those things about me in that song and like to spend that much time because he skims over like some people yeah, yeah. and then like you get like <laughs> yeah, yeah. A long, you get like a whole clip uh, yeah. yeah and so that was it's the nicest thing anyone in this um industry from an artist director has ever done for me and it's um it's you know, he didn't tell me he was doing that. I didn't, I didn't know um, he was doing that, and um, we'd never really even talked about it. Um, but just it was just a wonderful um, thank you that I, um, I I can't believe he he did that. And but it's a testament to obviously what kind of person he is and incredible. Well, because of that, I listened to an interview that uh, that Cole did with NPR yes. around that time. Yes, and Franny Kelly mm-hmm. for a microphone check 
wonders if you're a driver. Correct. <laughs> yes. He quickly corrects her. Yeah. He does. Yes. Now that was. Uh, I, I got the extra bump from the NPR interview, which, yeah. was, a, which was a nice, a nice hit, <laughs> yeah. if you will. Um, and uh, no, he, uh, he he kind of doubled down on what he talked about, not to self, and um, yeah. And from that, like that, definitely that, that like that just from my own from my own career and from my own self confidence, it was like it's a thing, and it really um, helped you know me believe in myself further and take you know more steps and chances and. Um, that's something that will be forever etched, you know, and that record continues to sell millions and millions of copies. And I don't know why people are still listening to Note to Self, but if you look on Spotify, it's got <laughs> millions of plays. So I hope they're listening to 1045. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> on, on that 14 minute song. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it was, it was incredible. And like the, the, the line, like I figured it out is so meaningful um, and uh, it's fascinating. Is there anybody that you feel like he left out? Oh, uh, there's probably a few people at Columbia that are mad that they didn't get shouted out. Um, or actually, are there people that are in there that you right. feel like? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I feel like he kept he he hit most people. I mean, it's eleven, it's twelve minutes long. Yeah, but uh, you know, I know um, you know all, and all those people, and 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 he he didn't he didn't forget many, and he um, I think it also shows you how incredible of an artist and how thoughtful he is that he does stuff like that well, that's the main thing don't you want to work harder for somebody who appreciates yeah oh yeah. my god everyone killed for him hmm. everyone killed for him not and, the beginning no no well yeah, yeah but it's like and, and, and everyone found out like what kind of person he and eve and mike and and said and all those guys are adam and um he you know everyone kills for him and that that note to self is such like a you know it's incredible thing yeah, he did that. Around 2011, 2012, uh, your job title switched. Yes, because it turns out you can't be like the fifth person on a re- on a rhythm national promotion <laughs> team in 2012. It turns out they don't need five people, like at all. Um, not in this world. Um, not in the post payola world. They don't need five. <laughs> yeah, 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 um, yeah. So I was starting to do sports. Like you know, I love sports, and I was like kind of carving things out on the side. No one was like pronouncing like you do sports things. It was like. I yelled, let me like 80 20 Google rule, like 20%, like call sports radio. Like, you don't have enough stations, call sports radio. That's yeah. what Mike Lieberman, my old boss, used to say. So I started calling sports radio and I started emailing people and I thought, like, okay, if I'm going to do this sports thing, like, let me be the guy. Like, one person talks to the leagues, one person talks to ESPN, no one's talking to the players um, and, or the stadiums or the people programming music. So I wanted to like wrap everything up and do that while I was still doing rhythm promotion. And so when there was a time when cuts were happening, my now current chairman, Steve Barnett, had the idea to like carve out a sports marketing gig, um, which with his blessing they gave me, I was a one-person sports marketing team and showing value by like booking John Legend on Mike and Mike on ESPN or like reaching out to Chad Ochocinco, like who was like the, like, do you all remember when he was like the shit on Twitter? Oh yeah. yeah. I reached out to like um, Drew Rosenhaus on a cold email and his colleague wrote me back in like two seconds. <laughs> um, and so like I would hit all these, I would hit all these agents and say like, you know, we'll send you product ahead of time, tweet about it, and you'll never have to pay for a ticket for a concert ever again. Like <laughs> even at a dollar in a dream tour. Even at a dollar in a dream yeah. tour. And so, um, so I'm, I met a lot of sports agents that way, and a lot of people in the sports industry. And there were a handful of people that like really connected me with more people. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I got deep into the ESPN world, and uh, and that sports like world like was like my calling out of uh, rhythm and urban radio promotion. So, what was that first trip to Bristol like? 
long? <laughs> it felt longer than the ZMX Heartburn run, I can tell you that. I was like, wait, I've been here before. Why am I still driving? Um, and uh, yeah, it's two and a half, It's every bit of two and a half hours mm-hmm. in New York City. Mm-hmm. Um, but the people there um, were super nice to me and um, I, you know, just did a lot of good work because I, lo- I love sports and I can, I can, you know, sports and music are kind of what I know the best. Uh, and so I can talk about relevant things that they're doing and, and how certain records work for certain things or why you know, these, these artists should be involved. And that was really just like a, a key pivotal moment. To, and that got me into the branding world and licensing world. And like, eventually they were like, you can't just do sports. Like that's, mm-hmm. And so then that's what got me into the advertising licensing side and got me out to LA. And, um, and then I still have all of these deep sports connections right um and uh and that's been real and like you get carve a niche you know it's like everybody likes sports well then why isn't someone being the guy mm-hmm. right you know similar to you guys like people like sports and and podcasting i mean music is podcast and humor like but there's only one two of you guys right you know right. So yeah. like my whole thing was like no one's doing it the right way and so we saw you down in orlando at nba all-star um in 2012 yes mm-hmm. and you got called to be a part of the celebrity basketball yes, game he did yes. was that an easy sell um it, that was like two years in the making i was telling um he also performed at halftime at mm-hmm. Sprite. Mm-hmm. um and uh and so that was a process of like educating the nba on who j cole is yes he's really good at basketball yes he's he went huge. to st john's he went yeah. to st john's he's right. taller than you think yeah there you go yeah, yeah, shout yeah, out yeah, felipe yeah. lopez yeah yeah like, yeah the so um so yeah and, and he and he uh i think that was kevin hart's first year playing wow. yeah remember that yeah he for was sure MVP? yeah um we interviewed him down there yeah for yeah. mtv mm-hmm. he was uh yeah shorter than i thought yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. um that's why I, I saw lebron james in person for the first time i think on that court with you guys wow like he's huge yeah yeah, um, yeah. and so and he's pretty good yeah yeah, yeah. And so he um didn't go to st john's we yeah. had a um not that, part of his narrative. A, a lot of the sports stuff with Cole was was easy because him and Eve are just like diehard sports fans. Yeah, yeah, and really good at basketball. So um, that was a one of the things that we did uh, that, that turned out really well. Have you played basketball against them? I have. Yes. Yes. How, How did you match up? I mean, I'm like a like I'm like good enough not to be on the varsity high school basketball team <laughs> today. Yeah, <laughs> like when I was in high school. Like yeah, good enough not to be on the varsity high school team. Right. So like. Decent, but not like you know. I, I can run. Mm-hmm. I, I, I can. I can keep up. Do you call fouls? Um, I call and ones once in a while. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's a travel. I'm, I'm not calling like a mid-range like possession foul. Double dribble. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm not doing that. Three in the key. Yeah, no, no, no. Um, so. Who are some of the brands that you really are proud of the connections that you made uh, on the early end? On the early end, I would say. Um, that that, pa- that passion pit take a walk uh, Taco Bell that almost like doubled as an Instagram ad yeah. was fucking dope yeah and that was one of the first things um, I did in that role um, and then there was a Tropicana passion pit spot for carried away so like passion pit um, did a lot of like they made great music and they like, really they were do very brand friendly yeah um, and so those were like two like early wins. Um, that I have a lot of those relationships still now well what makes a what makes an artist brand friendly. I think a the music first. Like, does the music like resonate? Mm-hmm. Um, and are they, you know, are they in their teams? And sometimes, if it's just a sync, then it's a pretty like transactional thing. Um, you can build it out, you know, if you want the brand wants. But like, are they like easy is the wrong word? But like, are they fun to deal with and like, you know, um, efficient to deal with? Um, I think makes them very brand friendly. I mean, I've heard I never worked with them, but like. I hear like Pitbull writes thank you notes to everybody. Wow. So he will get a lots of lots of opportunities because Pitbull is very like 
similar to Jake Cole, thankful, mm-hmm. appreciative, and and they keep going back to the well, well, and they have fans. So a lot of those artists who are who show the love back, I think, you know, that comes back to them financially and opportunity wise. Do so you it, think that Pitbull signs his letters, Mr. Worldwide? I, that's a good. Question. I hope so. That's I a hope good so. Question. I yeah. hope so. <laughs> but but those those relationships too, going back to like the Seattle radio station, the yes. Hartford radio station, those smaller markets matter. Yes. And and keeping those relationships alive. No, hundred percent. The relationship building process is a huge element too. Because a lot of times I like for the last when I was doing international marketing, I wasn't doing brand stuff, but I kept in touch with a lot of the ESPN people and the key people. And so when I came back, I was like, "Yo, I need you guys." Yeah. And so maintaining those relationships with the brands and um, is super important. Mm-hmm. Super important. Um, what was the first big uh, sporting event that you attended with, with this new role? Uh, in the new role, it was probably the All-Star Weekend stuff. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it was the first thing um, I did was go down to Atlanta to play the Turner folks, uh, a unfinished stir fry. Wow. It, it hadn't been... What's, what, oh, like now. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was talking about like oh, at, oh, the oh, at the time. Yeah, oh, like, like, at the time. Oh, Columbia? Um, that's oh. like a light stunt by Beano being I like, know, I've know, had yeah. a lot of promotions, yeah, yeah. a lot of title <laughs> changes. Yeah. No, um, I, I got trained to perform at the... Uh, Angels when when the All Star Game was in Anaheim, yeah. What well, that wasn't rocket science to get calling all angels, yeah. And, and, and yep. the new song, um, yeah. And, and then to be on the field and like it's awesome, yeah. It's amazing and like I you know for someone who loves sports like I love, um, I love I love being a part of that. I love being in the mix on that. Stuff. You've been to the Super Bowl. Been to the Super Bowl. Yes. Been to the Final Four. Have not been to the Final Four. Wow. Have you been to the Masters? Have been to the Masters. Okay. Yes. Yes. Heard, heard that's amazing. Our brother went. Yes. No, yeah. Absolutely incredible. Do no. you wear a green jacket down there? Do not wear a green jacket. But the, the price- oh, actually, as a as a caddy. <laughs> yeah, right. I had a bib. Um, no, the prices. The, all the all the. I'm sure your brother told you all yeah. the vending prices are like 1960s prices. Yeah. Like Two fifty for a sandwich. Crazy. Two dollars for a beer. Yeah. No cell phones. No cell phones. You run no. into people. Yeah. It's crazy. Like I I went when like about like ten years ago and mm-hmm. Tiger was there. It was unbelievable. Oh my amazing. god. Yeah. Um, does Tiger win any more majors or I'm such a Tiger apologist I hope <laughs> yeah. so I, I, I still root for him and uh, I hope so he goes you see through- that he, uh, he just reunited with Fluff I oh, I was that. just gonna say he goes through I coaches saw, like I know. tissues like it's, just I mean if you ask most people I talk to they say no but I, I have a Soft, Soft spot, spot yeah, yeah. For sure. and you've been to the World Series many times okay yes. Yes. and yes. have you been to the Stanley Cup I have not been to the Stanley Cup. You didn't I, go this I year? Know, I was trying to pop down to Vegas to see my beloved uh, bandwagon fan, the yeah, Washington yeah, Capitals, mm-hmm, yeah, win the Stanley yeah, Cup. Yeah. Um, but I uh, I did not make it out, but I certainly watched every game at 4 p.m. Pacific time. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> do you wear an Orioles jersey into an opposing stadium? Uh, I'm not, no. You're not there to, <laughs> not, to start I'm fights? Not, I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not really a, a jersey guy at 37 years right. <laughs> but I uh, certainly root for the Orioles and Nationals still there you sure. go sure. so when it came time to leave Columbia yeah did you feel like you had done everything that you could possibly do in that building were you that was still at 550 Madison yeah no, 25 Madison they moved oh, oh yeah I would say because um, the last two years I ran Columbia's uh international marketing department under the Sony umbrella. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was an incredible two years. And I think, you know, I think that just the offer that I had from, uh, from capital was just, um, too big to pass up. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I originally thought I was going to be at Columbia records forever, uh, until you learn that you're not <laughs> you know? and, until you, you, and so, um, it was an incredible 12 years. Um, but, I think for what was in front of me, um, that time had, had run out. 
do they give you like sweatpants at ten years, like or a keychain or something? Yeah. Like they, no, they, they they do some stuff. Like oh, I think good. it's uh or a pay raise. I guess yeah, that that works yeah, too. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Various contracts. They certainly. Uh, no, it was a, it was an incredible. They gave you a two dollar sandwich. Right, exactly. <laughs> a dollar and a dream. A dollar and dream show. Yeah. Um, no, it was an incredible twelve years, and uh, still have a ton of friends there. Obviously, I talk to all the mm-hmm. time, and uh, they were they were very very good to me. What Actually, was what was your last conversation like with Cole? Uh, I told him uh, well because he had left. They had, yeah, yeah, that's they, what I'm saying. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, the last conversation I had when he was at Columbia. Yeah. Um, I think it was like, you know. It, it wasn't like an ending type thing. I think it was just this is what it is. Like we're still going to be friends, and um, we still I, we, we still talk all the time. So mm-hmm. it, it wasn't like a a breakup, if you right. will. Mm-hmm. It was right. like you know all contractual. Has he ever said. commented on your Instagram? Um, I yes, and he, <laughs> a lot of people follow me because I'm one of like the 200 people that he follows. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so yes, I get a lot of like j cole fan club like yeah. wants to follow you or like please here's my demo a lot of that wow yeah. oh actually i did see so i i went through like like every one of your early yeah. posts yeah, and yeah. some guy commented on every single one j cole your... so, or some something like rapper related yeah it was like hey like i have a mixtape how yeah, do yeah, i get yeah. it to you <laughs> yeah yeah that and that, that's on. the way to get it to you yeah totally i mean the... i mean instagram is definitely the way no it's not <laughs> it's not the way to do that um yeah no they uh um it was. It wasn't like a. This is the end of it. This is just like you know we're, we got the, situ- the situation like n- nothing but like love moving forward and yeah. uh, and you know we see each other from time to time and talk. Was there any other artist that you grew close to on that J Cole level? Um, not at that level. Mm-hmm. You know, John Legend um, was always cool. Um, and uh, Juicy and Paul, I think, right below maybe the Cole level. Mm-hmm. Um, where we were in the trenches like heavy. I think that's that's the thing about radio promotion is like you are in the trenches with these artists. And yeah. like we were driving around and I remember like even with the Cole and Eve stuff, like we were listening to Section 80 like right before it came out wow. and right right when it came out and so I remember hearing that that tape for like the first time like in the middle of like nowhere Florida driving around with Cole and Eve. Mm. And like he had to, he had one of the records on high power or whatever on that album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um and so the beautiful thing about radio promotion is you just get like so much time and you get close to these artists um uh from a work perspective and then you become like you in, you know invested in their careers. And not everybody is like that, you know, mm. and and not not everybody becomes J Cole or not everybody becomes and and with with Juicy and Paul, like they were already Juicy and Paul. Like mm-hmm. there's only so many times we get an artist at literally, as I said, 15 spins in yeah. the show. To I don't know. I heard yesterday. I heard this week like the voice of a generation, which he is. Yeah. Um. So that I feel very fortunate to like have fallen into that situation. So when the job at Capital comes your way, was there any hesitation on your part to to take it? Uh no. Stephen Barnett made the uh, yeah Steve Barnett and Michelle Jubilee is my boss mm-hmm. uh, and she is incredible um, she's the COO of, of Capital Music Group and we had just a we had never met before we had a great conversation um, and that was it for the most part she's she's fantastic and I will say like one of the things that I've been really um, blessed to have and I owe a lot of my somewhat success to is working for really strong female executives. Mm. So like if you think about Ayelet Schiffman and then my boss when I was international was Jennifer Mallory who's a fucking boss and then you have Michelle Jubilee as well like three like really strong like you know they are awesome and so like what they did was just they just gave me opportunity and so that was um, I feel very fortunate to have learned from them and continue to learn from them 
Um, and the current situation I'm in now is, is fantastic. How many people do you have working for you? There's about uh, eight or nine of us on the team. Do you look for somebody who has the same skills as you or someone who compliments you? I would say I look for people who um, are hustlers, mm. who have a really good disposition. Like, are you enjoyable to be around? That can cut out a lot of people. For sure. Mm-hmm. For sure, right? And so, and then can you execute? Um, and I was lucky enough to walk into a situation at Capital where like the team was incredible, like incredible. And so um, a lot of wonderful people on that team are just like straight up hustlers and like go above and beyond and know know their shit um, and are a lot and have a lot other skills that I don't have, a lot. Um, and that's why I think we're doing good work and we have a really cohesive team. Well, where do you fall in the, the, the sort of idea that there's this traditional method of getting in touch with people, which is the, like the form letter and the yeah. resume and all that stuff. Right. Um, and then there's the other side where it's less traditional, right. where people just get to the point yeah. and they get in touch with you and they get your attention. I mean, I would say nine times out of 10, it's all word of mouth. So you gotta do something to get on somebody else's radar to get to to get to someone, yeah. whether mm-hmm. that's me or whoever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, start a fire. Start a fire, right? <laughs> yeah. Like do something. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. more, if, if it's just a cold, cold email, mm-hmm. I'm, you know, that's I, I don't think that's the right way. I right. think someone, someone that I trust has got to say this. Look out for this person. Reputation matters. Yeah, yeah. yeah. totally. Yeah. Then, but then I'll, if that's the case, then I'll go t- to the ends to find that person an opportunity. Right. Uh, more so than if. If someone knows that J. Cole follows me and they want to put me on Instagram. <laughs> right. But we were talking about cold LinkedIn, re- yes. you know, uh, yes. correspondence yes. or whatever. Yeah. No, I think if you're adding value from like a, a some type of way. For sure. Like, you know, when people would have, like the, one of the ways I met Jamel Hill, who's a good friend of mine at ESPN, is she used to have her email address at the end of her page two columns like 10 years ago. Yeah. And so I emailed her and I said, you just wrote about John Legend. I work with John Legend. You'll never have to pay for a John Legend uh, ticket ever in your life. And she wrote back. And we and we became friends. And she's done, um, again, and that was 10 years ago. And yeah. yeah. You see how what she's become now is uh, started from a cold email. Yeah. So that's your point, you know, if you're adding value. But Yeah, but it's the value, though. Totally. It's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's what's beyond that subject line you totally, know yeah right. well, yeah or the athletes with agents like the athletes have all the money in the world but they still want free they still want access right mm-hmm. that's why i learned early on the sports that access is king mm-hmm. no matter i don't care if you're a billionaire you still want to get those tickets for free totally and you still want things that other people can't have so you play off that mm-hmm. so who are some of the uh more impressive people that you've uh gained access to via these you know strange ways linkedin and yeah all that. i would say um uh definitely uh robert bailey who's the president of drew rosenhouse's football agency mm-hmm. drew rosenhouse most powerful football agent. yeah um he um i cold emailed him off the info on the website wow that wow. was like there's levels to this yeah, cold yeah. email, <laughs> and that was like submit message here yeah, yeah yeah like that type of thing and uh robert bailey uh who's the president who's a former nfl player himself um, he wrote back and we've been friends for 10 years. That's awesome. And when do a lot of cool stuff. Freaky Zeke added me on LinkedIn. <laughs> yes. Yeah, like numerous times. And I, I just didn't know what to do with it. it was, yeah. it's have, a, you, have you built from there? We we definitely linked. Yeah. Um, yeah. I met him uh, a couple times. Um, one time at like 4 a.m. when Cameron was like, <laughs> yo, this dude's from South Hall. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's about it. I, I, never, con- I never connected on, uh, on LinkedIn though. I remember uh, when I was in college cold emailing people Mm-hmm. Um, because you figure out at a certain point, and this was 
you know, a, a young fertile mind, mm-hmm. you know, like I was like, all right, well, there's only so many ways that emails at a corporate place can go, right? Yes. First name, not last name. Totally. Or first name, last name or underscore, whatever. Yeah. And once you figure it out, if you go look at a press release or something yeah. like that and you figure out They'll what put the, them in there. Yeah, yeah, they put it at the bottom. It's like, yes. oh, okay, well, it's got to be. definitely tricks to this. Yeah. yeah, yeah and, for sure. you know, ended up meeting with people like Barry Diller yeah. or, you know, Lior Cohen or whoever. Correct. And then you get in the door, but you have to have something obviously to get into that meeting. Sure. So, yeah, no, yeah. absolutely. It's a, um, there's definitely like part of the hustle is figuring that shit out. Totally. Yeah. And, and that's just, if you have that mentality, then more times than not, whatever you're trying to get to, yeah. um, you'll at least take the right steps to get to that point. So beyond working with different artists, mm-hmm. what did you want to do to level yourself up at the new job at Capital? Um, I just to have... Um, like, what does it win on the board for you now? I think, you know, breaking breaking more records and, mm-hmm. and, and having, like, what we do at, at 1750, which is my department, which is brand partnership and licensing of, like, I believe that we are the center of, like, breaking these breaking these uh, records and artists. So, for instance, like, with Migos, it's like, okay, how do we take a, a group that's already pretty famous, but their upside is huge, how do we do stuff like have Stir Fry B for, you know, the theme song for All-Star Weekend, or have them perform with NERD to 206 countries or have them in a Apple and emoji commercial. And like, how do we, how do we, how do we do that? And so you do that by cool brand partnerships and cool alignments that don't jeopardize the integrity of the band. So important. Yet move them closer to the mainstream to where new people can hear these records. Yeah. And that is what we do um, most effectively. And I think better than anybody else. Well, how many, like, what's the percentage as a guy who loves stats? Mm-hmm. Like, what's the percentage of things that actually go through and, like, how many things, like, fall through every day? Um, it's probably 1% go through. Wow. Wow. Because you have so many things you're trying to do. And it's so much, it's a numbers game. It's like, I, I relate, every, I said this a million times, but I relate everything back to gambling. If you're playing one hand at the table and you lose that hand, you're fucked. Mm-hmm. But if you're playing 12 hands, you got a lot of action and some are going to hit and some aren't. And so you better, I tell my team this, you got, you better be playing a lot of hands. Yeah. Um, and because you're going to lose a lot. Mm-hmm. And that's just the nature of it. Of um, but when that one hits, though, when yeah. it hits, it hits, and then you got, then you got certified one of the biggest songs of the year, and it, and, it, and one of the reasons it broke is because we had commercials and promos and opportunities to early on establish that record. Yeah. Um, so that record's exactly. an outlier, though. By the way, like the whole the whole album doesn't sound like right. that. Yeah, so yeah. you hear this, and are you just like, like what what is attractive uh, about it to you? That it's. Um, you know, a produced by Pharrell, yep, and just the overall cohesion of, of the Migos and and Pharrell works, mm-hmm. um, and the opportunity that to put it in front of like you know the Turners and the TNTs, um, I know I know I have a general sense of what they're looking for, and Stir Fry was that record. Well, I mean, but also like, how much is it on you, and how much is it like a conversation with like A and R department and like them themselves, and like like how. To, to, to make that like the impact record, right? Yeah, well, I, I think they had, they had identified like before it got to my level or my team, it's like, hey, this is going to be a record. Yeah. Do we know it's we're going to launch it because of the NBA? No. Right. But this is, we've identified this as a track that mm-hmm. we think is, we can do some damage. So when you make that, that flight down to Atlanta, yeah. What else are you doing down there? Do you get to like go watch, you know, Shaq and Kenny? Yeah, and no, and- I was, I was, I went down there for a couple of minutes, but mostly to play them. Uh, culture too, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and at the time, stir fry was like a takeoffs first. I don't think it had gotten done yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but the, most of the record was done, and uh, and they to turn his credit, they got it immediately. That's they awesome. knew they had, they knew what they had, and they 
Um, and then we connected the dots on the NBA side. How great is it to work with Coach and P? Fantastic. Yeah. They are the best. Yeah. They We're are. trying to get them up here. Yeah. Yes. I'll, yeah. Put my, I'll put a good word Thank in. Thank you. Because yeah. that's how you, you, know, you make these connections. No, yeah. totally. Somebody trusted no, no, needs to make the connection. to work with. Um, incredible reputation and follow through. And they just get it. And you can tell that their artists respect them. And it's an absolute joy to work with them yeah we saw Stefan don yes. in uh los angeles there was a, a beats capital thing at yeah, no yeah, name yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah we saw her there yeah you know a very uh good crowd like yeah. good energy yeah, and yeah. she killed it yeah, yeah yeah and we were like we're on board yeah yeah, yeah totally they, they, they know how to break you know what's crazy about coaching people they just know how to break artists well, I just City Girls. City Girls is gonna go. Yeah. Yeah. Little Baby already went. Yep. Or is in the process of going. And yeah. like it's hard to break artists. And the fact that these guys are doing it at such a high level is incredible. And they are so fantastic to work with. That's dope. What idea has come to you in the middle of the night that you were like, Oh, I definitely have to write this down or type it into my phone and it worked? I, mean, I was the I was the one that had said, Okay, if Cole's gonna do the Dale Earnhardt um, thing, like let's put them on the cover of ESPN magazine together. And that's, you know, and I e- emailed ESPN. I was like, I know y'all doing a music issue. This song just came out. He's fake talking about Dale Earnhardt. Let's get them together. And to their credit, they, they did it. And they reached out to Dale Earnhardt and he's a huge fan. Amazing. And that like, that, that, that like the universe like made that happen. And that is so, such an amazing like cover to see. Hmm. Um, and then also like, just talk, like the more you listen to these records, even now, like you hear certain records, like I think that could be in this mm-hmm. and you have to have some type of level of like, I believe that this could work mm-hmm. and then you just got to keep going and keep going. Uh, or any, do you have any records that are watermarked? Uh, for sure. Okay. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> for sure. I have like, even from some of like the old stuff, like we have a lot of like just older records and the, the, the I mean, it's, a, it's different now because, um, there was, there was CD watermarks back yeah, then, yeah, yeah. um, with some albums that were different track listings before and so they, I don't have any of those anymore but yeah. like there's some good watermark gems in, in the we collection. loved uh, when Justin Timberlake and T.I. had a record um, yeah my love my love, my love yes and the leak had uh, Atlantic Records T.I. clearance no all way. over it just like every like 15 seconds and we love like, that yes. version way way, yes. way way more it's so much know? better yeah. yes. no no the uh, I have knock on wood I have never um, <laughs> never had a leaked a leaked watermark yet you spoke about how the uh, percentage of deals is like one percent that mm-hmm. actually go through yeah what's the best deal that did not go through that's a good question um i don't know if i can i don't know if i can mention one but the, the thing that i can say about the emotion of it not going through is mm-hmm. like you got to get over it quick yeah mm-hmm. like that's what's because what you want to happen is like you want to see that on the cover of VSM magazine because like the culture like needs that yeah and so mm-hmm. it's 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 super frustrating when you have and you guys know this as like creators and creatives when you have ideas that for whatever reason don't go all the way mm-hmm. yeah. there's a couple i'm working on now that are going to ego either way and mm-hmm. we'll, i'll know in like a month um but if they have ramifications that could affect culture yeah that's what kills me mm-hmm. because you have to be able to like you know what's going to happen like you know like and and sometimes to like turner's credit they saw stir fry and, and they recognize that yeah mm. and other times um 
it's so frustrating when you know this could affect culture. And that's why I love doing this the most, just being in music, is because the things that you do have an impact on the rest of the world. And you can see it. And you can see it in real time. Yeah. And like there's other jobs that are not in the creative space that you may do great work, but it exists in a vacuum that no one sees. Mm. And so when you do break records, whether it's whatever it may be, you see fans react to that. And that's very gratifying. That's like the most gratifying stuff. But it's to back, to back to your point, like when you have certain deals that you know <laughs> Are, could go yeah. but then you just have to like charge to the game and like keep it moving yeah. or else you'll get stuck on, or else you'll, you'll get stuck on those things um, before we close out uh, I want to bring up some people that we uh, mutually know yes David Cho love David Cho how did you meet David Cho and do you have a good David Cho story <sighs> I uh, got lots of good David Cho <laughs> stories I met him I think through probably through Eric Hutchinson um, that whole Emerson crew is like there's a lot of like Comedy writers and that whole world is connected. Mm -hmm. um, and I think I met David through Eric. Um, and then I met, obviously, I met Rembert through through David. Mm -hmm. And we met you through David as yes, well. Yes. Mm -hmm. yeah. So mm -hmm. it's, um, God, David Cho, he's a character. And <laughs> yeah. he always just finds himself in the right situation a lot of times. Mm -hmm. And uh, he has a... Uh, we have very heated music conversations. I can tell you that. <laughs> very heated. Well, so when I first met David, he would IM me all day. Amazing. Like I, I met him like, you know, I met him <laughs> super randomly. <laughs> yeah. I met him super randomly um, through uh, this guy, Neil Shah, who okay. um, is one of David's very good friends. And he just introduced us. He was like, hey, you guys both like rap. You should be friends. Great introduction. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. which is it. And so, but David like went full force and david <laughs> Sounds about right. yeah. david was i am me all the time just like a milli a milli a milli <laughs> and i was just like i fucking hate this dude <laughs> he and goes on I, to be one of our best friends yes, yeah 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 yes, and he has yes. a great episode of our podcast yes yeah. no I, I did i funny i listened to that when i was uh around bet awards week when i knew i was doing this podcast i re-listened to the, <laughs> the david show uh, waste of time podcast and it was very enjoyable and he uh look he he finds himself um around the right people and and, and and they really respect his his creative vision and, and uh, he's a character for, for sure for sure uh, Naima Cochran love Ooh. Naima yes Naima is I'm so proud of Naima I have to say this like to the public cause I told her this uh, on Twitter or whatever but yeah. like I'm so proud of Naima who is you know was a product manager at, at Columbia was it bad boy way back in the day mm -hmm. and then was working with John Legend but what she's doing with that music sermon is so fucking brilliant yeah. in real and life it, it's, in real life it's so brilliant and I'm so proud of her for taking that leap uh, because I think the opportunities are endless um, because I love that shit and I love reading about like stuff I didn't know about um, and did uh, you know that the electric slide is about? <laughs> I did not know a that. Vibrator. Yeah, I did not know that. I didn't until know it until she broke it. Yeah, that, that, that's like she broke that news. She yeah, did, can yeah. we give her credit for that? For, yeah, let's do it right John now. Legend, yeah. John Legend replied on that one. I was yeah. like, <laughs> I told my wife that. Oh, she he, she was like, no shit. I was like yeah. looking at the lyrics. I'm like, huh? Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, yeah. Uh, I guess I see it. If, yeah. if, you, if you don't follow Naima and Music Sermon on Twitter, I highly recommend you do. She's fantastic. She's definitely gonna get a book deal out of it, right? She should. She should. No, the opportunities. That because again, it's like those threads, and from a historian standpoint, and even like what the unsung team is doing, like people want to hear those stories. I yeah. certainly do, yeah, as a fan of music. I certainly do. Also, Naima used to be our manager, this is true, that's yeah. right, yeah, well, she's we fantastic. Friends at work, yeah, yeah. yes, until yes. we fired her. No, <laughs> no, 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 she's 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 fantastic, she's, she is, she's, she's one of the good ones for yes. sure. Yeah, yes. you have another friend, uh, or? I mean, I guess Rembert, yeah, let's go, yeah, no, yeah, Rembert is. I met him at the Upfronts. That's when I think David Cho introduced me to him way back at the ESPN Upfronts. And uh, he is, um, I think, 
and this is not because I'm his good friend, he's probably one of the best writers of our generation from a pop culture perspective, flat out. Um, I mean, he interviewed Barack Obama. He interviewed Barack Obama. He wrote the best review of Huncho Day by Mm -hmm. far. Mm -hmm. Um, And he's he's an incredible talent. And... uh, the stuff that he's about to do is is, is incredible, is insane, yeah. And, yeah. and it's just it's like any like whatever you know. I see what you guys are doing, and I see a lot of us like in this collective like come up space. Mm-hmm. Everyone's doing dope shit, and he is um, so funny and so um, well written that um, it's almost like frustrating <laughs> when, when I read like some of like the who the who won or who lost some of those years, who won those years. Those columns are so fucking good. Yeah. Um, and the stuff that he continues to write um, for and do is fantastic. And he he is an incredible, like, member of, like, culture. Mm-hmm. I got one more. Yep. Benner. Benner? Benner Hall. Benner Hall from uh, all the Duce Palooza yeah. crew. So, Benner, so I, when I was in New York, I played on this really dope um, uh, basketball team that was Al Branch, Benner... Um, like a lot of Eddie Blackman, yeah, um, Della, like a lot of those guys. Um, Damien Granderson, the lawyer. Mm-hmm. Like we had an ill uh, <laughs> New York summer league, yeah. Um, and we played on a team. So that's how I met Benner. And Benner um, was always in the mix. And I'm so happy that he like found his way. Yeah. And he like I knew he would, um, but he's killing it. And he's he's one of the really really good guys. He is. And. Uh, just good energy and uh, even when like I just you know I, I, I was introduced to Kaz like a year ago by a mutual friend and like mm-hmm. that whole crew I don't know all of them but like they they just roll the right way absolutely and I fuck with all of them from like a fan perspective uh, and what they've done and, uh, and to see Benner like flourish like this is he also likes the Arizona Cardinals football team yeah it's which very- is unfortunate <laughs> yeah <laughs> And weird. That is weird. But he's like an Arizona. He's not from there. No, he's not. But he like he fucks with them heavy, like heavy. Why? You have to ask Benner. Yeah. Next yeah. Tuesday, Palooza. Yeah. Literally, yeah, yeah, like yeah. have a no, side. Yeah. 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 But why do you fuck with the Cardinals? Like literally. Um, um, so yeah. Do you get any business done these days on the golf course? Um, not as much as I'd like to. Yeah. Um, but I, uh, a couple of my colleagues at Capital Play. Um, so we played a couple Niles weeks ago. G. Yeah, no, I don't know Niles. Plays. I don't think Niles plays. No, um, Dimples. Does it, yeah. Dimples. I don't know if she plays. Nathan on my team plays, and uh, the, the new Steve head Barnett. Promotion. Yeah, um, I don't think. Steve How about plays. little Stephen Barnett? No? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm sure maybe some of his kids might play, but I love. I, I just haven't played enough golf, but um, I would lo- like to get to a point where I'm doing most of my work on it. Yeah, yeah. Can, you, know, can you still like, hit them long and straight? Uh, little, little, little duck hucks <laughs> once in a while, but there's certainly the, the weather and certainly the access. Um, to uh, to play out in, in Los Angeles, and I, I love I love watching golf. I, I mean, outside of a few sports, I love I just love the the competition aspect and and the storytelling and all that stuff. So. Yeah, do you tip well when you when you get a caddy, uh, or are you are you in a golf cart, or do you uh, give like life advice instead? More life. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm paying you, and like my presence is my presence. Yeah, is that what, he, is that what Kanye said? Like, yeah. that's what I'm giving you guys at all times. I'm good for it, but let me just drop like six and a half jewels on you right now. That <laughs> you'll thank me in five years. Yeah. Oh, hey kid. Yeah. Right. Like, this is how you come up. No. Um, yeah. When you're emailing people that's right yeah. Yeah. yeah well we've known you for so long but to hear your entire story to hear how you've gone from being a caddy to you know working at raucous but ultimately working in one of the most famous buildings in music yeah. that capitol building to the impact that you've made with people like j cole and what migos are about to do and yeah. everything 
is super impressive. And just thank congratulations you. on everything. Thank and you very much, guys. Thanks so much for coming up here. Love you too. And thanks really to Rembert who made this all happen. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. <laughs> At Rembert. Yeah. <laughs> thanks everyone for listening to this new episode of A Waste Time with It's the Real Jeff. If you want to find out more about us, I'm Eric, you're Jeff. We are It's the Real. Yes. If you want to find out more about this podcast, it's called A Waste of Time with It's the Real. Yes. And if you want to get a new It's the Real t-shirt, I'm talking about those AKA t-shirts now in purple and in black, but also the three Los Angeles It's the Real shirts that we have left in size large. Yeah. Where can they go? You can always go to itsthereal.com, I-T-S-T-H-E-R-E-A-L.com, no apostrophes, no spaces. Go to itsthereal.com slash shop to buy all merch items Woo! today. People are saying that they are the best merch. I agree. That they've seen. How about that? Um, you can always go and listen to our podcast. Go to soundcloud.com slash a waste of time, or you can go on iTunes, search for a waste of time with It's The Real. My favorite thing about the podcast, Jeff, mm-hmm. is that they're forever. Yeah. People are like, oh my God, I missed this episode. No, you didn't. The episode is still there on iTunes and SoundCloud, Spotify, wherever. We have almost 200 episodes in the can. Mm-hmm. Go catch up right now. Right. We weren't hiding our episodes from the world. The world was hiding our episodes from you. Or there you go. Yeah. You know what? That should have been my high school senior quote. Well, it's not too late. Yes. Uh, you can senior always... quotes are forever. <laughs> yeah. So are tattoos and regret. Mm-hmm. You can also go and listen to our music. Hey. Our music is available on Spotify and Apple Music and Google Play and Pandora. Everywhere. And I would recommend that you guys go listen to Sugar High, which is our song with Currency and Smoke Dizzo, which is a summer classic. Go find yourself on a beach somewhere and bump Sugar High for you and all your friends and all the people who say, turn your music down. Yes. You can always go and find us on Twitter at It's The Real, Facebook at It's The Real, Instagram at It's The Real. Don't even find us on Facebook. Fuck no, that. We're no, not even on there. It's over for Facebook. So fuck Facebook. That's right. Jeff, this podcast is not going anywhere, certainly not on vacation for July 4th, unless... All you out there, our great friends, followers, fans, and fanatics, spread the word about A Waste of Time with It's The Real. Tell people about what's going on here and tell them that they can go listen to whatever episode they want to. So we'd like to shout you guys out as appreciation for being so awesome. Jeff, who do you want to shout? I want to shout out three people in California. I want to shout out Devin Mitchell. Hey. I want to shout out Kirsten Stubbs. Hey. And I want to shout out Santosh. Hey. Everybody who's out in California, thanks for buying our t-shirts and thanks for keeping this podcast moving. Jeff, I want to shout out someone else who bought a t-shirt. His name is Daniel Arena, and he lives down in Middlesex County, New Jersey, in a little town called Woodbridge Township. And Jeff, there may be 99,585 people who live in the township, according to the 2010 census. Uh-huh. But the one person that we care about down there mm-hmm. is Dan Arena. Shout out to Dan Arena. Shout out to Dan Arena. Look, we don't care about Captain John Pike, the ancestor of General Montgomery Pike, who was killed at the Battle of Queenstown in 1813. Certainly not. We don't care about Thomas Bloomfield, an ancestor of Joseph Bloomfield, some years governor of New Jersey, for whom the township of Bloomfield, New Jersey, is named. Wow. I certainly don't care about that guy. You know who else we don't care about? No. We don't care about anybody in Cataret or Edison, New Jersey. Oh, neighboring townships? Or Perth Amboy, the ugliest name in New Jersey. Ugh. 
We don't care about Clark, Linden, Rahway, and Union County, or the borough of Staten Island over in New York City, okay? We want to shout out everybody in the area code 732 and 848, but especially our guy down there in Woodbridge Township, Daniel Arena. Jeff, do you have anything to say to Dan? Thanks. And uh, and again, you know, fuck Captain John Woodpike or whatever yeah, his name is. Yeah, all of them. All of them. <laughs> shout out to Daniel Arena. We really appreciate you. And uh, shout out to everyone over there in New Jersey. We really, we've sold a lot of t-shirts to New Jersey. We really feel great about New Jersey on the whole. Mm-hmm. So just specifically to this, we want to shout out our guy, Daniel Arena. And to everybody else, of course we say, not for real, for real. Sure, sure. We'll see you guys next week. Right. <laughs>